Oh yeah, I have it right here. I love how the kids are trapped in a miserable world where all color and saturation has seemingly been sucked out of existence, aka a Zack Schneider movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for a bit, for a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, hello there, and welcome to MCU Beyond Infinity, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, the Thunder to my love, Travis, to break down the 29th film of our beloved MCU, Taika Waititi's Thor, Love, and Thunder. By the time he published the radical anti-capitalist pamphlet, The Communist Manifesto in 1848, German philosopher and political theorist Karl Marx had lost four of his seven children to malnutrition. Growing impatient as he witnessed the ultra-wealthy exploit the working class, Marx declared that this aggression will not stand. He no longer sat around and witnessed other impoverished everymen and women starve to death while the elite sat around cozily feeding off the praise and backs of the impoverished. Now, if you listen to the Beyond Infinity podcast in the past, you know there's one central theme that we love to discuss here more than any, and that is class welfare. And much like Taika's debut MCU outing, the universally praised Thor Ragnarok was a reflection on the dangers of colonialism and nationalism kind of masquerading as a quirky comedy. The second installment of his Thor saga is clearly, Travis, a meditation on the resentment the everyday man has toward the money-hoarding, uber-wealthy pigs that make up the 1%. I mean, they literally bleed blood, uh, gold blood in this movie. So, Travis, uh, (laughs) I know we have been rather playful when teasing the knucklehead incel neckbeards of the world who flood Reddit and Twitter with their hot takes on how Thanos was right. But I got to say, I kind of get where uh, Mr. Gore, the God Butcher, (laughs) was coming from in this thing, in his uh, resentment of the gods. I'm sorry to start the podcast off with a... uh my my not so hot take apparently other people had this take i thought i was the first one coming up with this thing but um yeah 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 i uh i'll also say that uh, as a non-believer in any religion or not it's the closest thing i'll probably get to being represented on screen as far as religious beliefs where if it does turn out there's a god he's probably a bunch of cunts <laughs> yeah he's so, probably an asshole who won't let me eat his melons who i would like to stab yeah, in the neck yeah yeah like gore is you know, in the Marvel Universe, there's like blatant evidence that there are gods. So there's it, being an atheist in that universe doesn't make any sense. It does not help the cause very much. And again, like the the Thanos was right stuff, I think is like a ludicrous conceit. Like I get the idea 
that everyone should be thriving. But in order for everyone to thrive, you do not have to do it on a um, massive genocidal intergalactic <laughs> scale, so yeah. to speak. Uh, Killmonger is the other one uh, where, like, I totally get the beliefs. I kind of fare more towards his side than I do uh, T'Challa, King mm -hmm. T'Chaka's side at the beginning of the film. I know that the point of that film is for them to grow out of the isolationist, uber-nationalist state that they yeah. existed in. Yeah, was that one, it was, he had the right idea in general, but his methods were off. Uh, and Thanos is, I guess, similar in that, yeah, overpopulation is an issue, but yeah, a random lottery of murder isn't the right way to fix that. Uh, Absolutely not. And also, if you have a MacGuffin that's capable of doing magic, literally yes. magic, magically doing anything, you can eradicate half of the universe's life with the snap of a finger. Oddly, didn't eradicate like trees and whales and things along those lines. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, but you could also probably just make a planet bigger. So you had more room to do something. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's far more things, but we were kind of concerned because Gore is a character uh, and, and from a story arc by uh, Jason Aaron writing and Isak Ribic uh, doing beautiful, yes. beautiful art um, that, I adore, I know you adore, we're both huge fans of that comic book run, and the tone of that comic book run is is very solemn, it's rather mm -hmm. dark, um, there's a lot of weight to be felt, I know that grand this is... scale of things, also, where it's telling a story across three different timelines, with three different versions of the war, uh, it's a lot to take in. Uh, it's so behemoth and epic in scope, in that mm -hmm. sense. And there is a certain like self-seriousness to it. You know what I mean? That yeah. I was uh, very concerned a Taika Waititi joint would not be able to adapt. And was I correct in thinking that? Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's very atomic, but it's okay. Like and, and gore is not the problem in this movie. If there's no. anything wrong with this movie, I think it's that there was not enough gore in this movie. Yeah, yeah. In the comics, you see gore the god butcher, and they take some uh, frames, like panels, straight from the comics, like the gods being butchered later on in the movie, and, but we don't actually see him kill any gods. He, he has a 100% failure rate as far as we actually see in combat, but... We see him stab his god in the neck. Oh, wait, that's true, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm... <laughs> Immediately proven wrong. I forgot. Sorry that. to correct you so I, quickly yeah, and yeah. matter of factly, but I do he just have to say. He should have murdered the flower gods that were there too. I giggled so hard the moment those flower gods popped up. They reminded me something out of um, like Spirited Away or something. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I know there's been talk with, I mean, Taika says, I'm making this movie and I'm making this movie. Like he's always like just in public being he's like doing Akira. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, I was just about to say, like there was that talk that he was doing Akira. And when I saw the, um, the, the flower people things in the mm -hmm. beginning and that little guy with the mask, I was like, Oh, that looks like uh spirit away or my neighbor Totoro. And I was like, Oh, that would make sense that he really likes Akira. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there is that kind of imagery throughout this movie. Um, that would make sense. But the 
thing I will say about Taika and, and Jojo Rabbit is kind of the shining example of this, but um, also even Ragnarok and and portions of this movie, it can be a case can be made. Um, the the man balances tone of tragedy like tragedy on like an absurdly cruel level unnecessary death and and Mm -hmm. how um death and 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 loss is it can be so matter of fact and so deft and quick with levity um on a scale that i don't think a lot of filmmakers have done in a very long time probably since like the 1980s where like stuff can just happen so matter of factly and so quickly um, you know, we saw it. I was saying you can make the case in Ragnarok, but like Thor's friends and family die very quickly in those movies. It's very fast. And all of a sudden there are lots of jokes, but I don't think it always nec- I I know people are going to disagree with this. I don't think it <laughs> undermines how it affects Thor in that film. You know, that film ends with Thor saying like, what have I done? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Jojo Rabbit, like like the death of the mother and and setting this kind of whimsical comedy around the Holocaust, like like making Hitler like yeah. a main character. More yeah. like an idealized version of him where he's like an imaginary friend. Yeah, that is probably his best movie, in my opinion, uh, by like a, a good margin. Sure. Uh, because of how well it does balance the humor and uh, the drama. And the what, performances were so strong throughout. Arguably Scarlett Johansson's best performance. And she's had, yeah, and she's had a lot of those. You know what I, I mean? Ghost in the Shell was pretty good. I give it. <laughs> I kind of like Ghost in the Shell. Like I kinda dig that movie. You know what I mean? It's fun, but for like a just a a good ninety minutes or whatever it is, just mm-hmm. to turn your brain off and mm-hmm. watch stuff mm-hmm. happen. Uh, it's mm-hmm. You know what's a movie I kind of like? Uh, I was going to mention it to you before we went on the recording, but Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I always wondered how that was. I want to say, is that an old movie? I, uh, it's it's not. It's it's made by some um by some German like fellow who's <laughs> yeah 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 who like had only made uh like indie weird surreal movies and. I think Fassbender signed on to play like Magneto or like one of those big roles only so the studio would finance um, Assassin's Creed. That was like his like passion project. He was like an executive oh, producer on it. Yeah. Like really, I wondered really. how they got him for that movie because I want to say it was like a straight to DVD thing. I thought, but mm-hmm. no, no, it was not. It cost, oh. hold on. I'm oh. pulling up the box office. The movie cost $125 million to make, my friend. <laughs> Which is absolutely absurd. The director, uh, Justin Kurzel, is he Dutch? Oh, he's Australian. Um, he did make uh, Macbeth for our precious magnet releasing uh, a studio, a distribution company that yeah. you and I always say was like A24 vibes before people knew what like a24 vibes look like you know what i mean um they also made a lot of like trash and like kung fu movies that that you and i kind of liked like i think yeah. they uh then they do um what's his name uh takashi mike they did uh 13 assassins uh which yes, was a pretty did. cool movie they did. that's mm-hmm. kind of a great little movie uh 
great big movie. That's an epic movie, <laughs> man. That's an epic movie. Yeah, it's a slow starter. Like, yeah, pretty much the entire first hour is build, and then the entire second hour is murder. Yeah. <laughs> With an insanely cruel villain in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is probably his most vicious, and that's saying something when you've seen his filmography, where it's, that guy's just a monster. Yeah, who makes children's films every once in a while and like daytime <laughs> yeah. TV in Japan and stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah, rewatched he that. He's a, he's a workman director where, where he's he's willing to do anything and he feels more comfortable working on smaller projects because there's less expectation. Sure. I mean, I, I rewatched Ichi the Killer the other day and that movie is insanely violent and, mm-hmm. and graphic. I mean, like the... The title cards are the main character's jizz while he's watching some prostitute get like raped and murdered and masturbating mm-hmm. to it. And then he like splooges and it turns into say Ichi the killer. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that's how this movie start- <laughs> starts. Like just starts with the bag. Um, and and part of me, I'm watching it and I was like, it's an interesting discussion here, like meditation rather, sound real film bro here, but like he's talking about like the violence in cinema and the graphic nature of cinema here, but I don't know what side he's taking. You know what I mean? Like I can't tell if he's like an advocate of this or he's making fun of it. Like it's done so sincerely that I don't know if it's satire at any point. You know what I mean? Um but but 13 Assassin has an insanely cruel and well-developed villain. And while I don't think uh, Christian Bale's gore here uh, got a ton of screen time, um, I do think he was developed rather well. And and I started the thing off with uh, the, the Communist Manifesto idea, right? Yeah. But the whole, like, I have been disappointed by the people in charge fuck that i'm gonna take it back for us idea does make him again like you said like this is the as a non-religious person this is the closest i've seen myself represented (laughs) in cinema at this point or in a marvel movie yes yes uh i'm very happy it started with him because like before the credits started while i was waiting here i was hoping it would begin with him i the one area is that i wish we would have gotten more of him like that that is really just my biggest issue with it, more so than me not enjoying much of the comedy in this one. It's just, you have a great actor playing an interesting character, and then you only get about like 15 minutes. <laughs> but he does make those 15 minutes hit very well mm-hmm. and shows a lot of range. And there's moments in the beginning, the the first sequence, and, and especially there's that sequence in the Shadow Realm where it's kind of just Christian Bale putting on a clinic for a couple of seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah, in terms of yeah. acting caliber. Um, Very like horror movie. Uh, the, the story time with Gore. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah. much a horror movie scene. Pretty much. Yeah. And I'm going to sound like a pretentious little fuck here, but like the kind of Gothic horror elements in this mm-hmm. film 
works. God damn it, we're going to German expressionism, aren't we? we we're, we're, we'll talk about the German expressionism's influence on this. I'll talk about Vampire for about 30 minutes, but yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll have to get about two or three hours into the podcast before I start talking about all of those things and why everyone should watch Vampire because it's interesting. Um, and then we'll talk about the techniques that they used because I did a lot of research on that today. Mm-hmm. And by research, I mean I found the website and, and watched a bunch of videos. But um, <laughs> it's called Plate Light Technology. But um, the uh, those sequences particularly had this kind of gothic horror nature to them that I thought was like really effective. And that's something, again, like that Taika does, like he changes tone really quick, but it still feels cohesive and mm-hmm. all part of the same story and all part of the same film aesthetically, despite being so like wildly different and 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 vastly vastly uh deviant from from you know the tone that we were at like five minutes prior um i think he does better when he's more focused on a single story or Mm -hmm. a single character's arc um i love ragnarok to death it's probably a top five marvel movie for me Mm -hmm. but I think that film has problems kind of structurally where it feels like three different movies, like all the stuff on Sakaar feels like a totally different movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to a movie like Jojo rabbit where, yeah, it's wildly changing tones. And we go from this like Holocaust drama to this family um, comedy to this, like you know, like really, really quickly and abruptly, but it all feels cohesive in its storytelling this movie, I and by the way, I, I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, I think this movie also struggles with balance between being the space epic, being this like comedy romp, being a cancer drama. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, right from the comics, but. <laughs> And going back to the gore thing, I am so glad that they ripped so much of this right from mm-hmm. those Jason Aaron and and Isak um, Isak Rabin comic books because a lot of this was taken straight from it, and yeah, it's it's different tonally, mm-hmm. but that's all part of that story. You know what I mean? Well, like, I mean, would you it, disagree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a pretty okay adaptation of it, and that's it, kind of. The only thing I really like from Jason Aaron, uh, his writing and stuff, <laughs> like that Thor run is fantastic, and then everything else is just kind of left me a little corn. Uh, you you got to read Southern Bastards, man. It's fucking great. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's fucking great. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you in terms of like Jason Aaron's work with Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think he works best in the sword and sorcery genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he tries to get into the superhero realm of things, he kind of, uh, flutters a little well, bit, you know, even his Dr. Strange run, uh, I, I didn't care for that either. Where it was my main takeaway was it was that Dr. Strange eats gross stuff. That, that's yeah. really about it. Uh, faithfully adapted in uh in spider-man no way home correct yeah yeah there's a fridge <laughs> scene and there's some gross stuff in it uh. mm-hmm. um and and the other good work in my opinion that he's done with marvel has been with the conan the barbarian when they got the okay. ip back for conan okay i hadn't read any of his conan uh yeah. i uh I think you like his story very similar his avengers 
No, 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 no. Yeah, I have major issues with his Avengers stuff. It's terrible. Uh-oh. It's rough. War of the Realms was fun, but that's because I, I it was a the payoff play. with War of the Realms. Like, I think my issue with War of the Realms is that it is a an entire Marvel universe spanning uh, conclusion to that, and I don't want all of the other superheroes in my Thor story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, um. The the opening sequence of this film, we see Gore, uh, played by Christian Bale, with a little bit more color to him. He had a little bit more of a fleshy tone, but he still had the little eye flap things. No tentacles on his head to be seen, unfortunately. Big problem that Travis and I have. Um, and it's him and his daughter. Um, they're the last of their people and they're spending their final days kind of like striving to survive on some barren desert of a planet. You know what I mean? And we see his daughter basically die in his arms Mm -hmm. as he's praying to his gods to not save himself, but save his daughter. And this is very similar to his arc in um, the God, what was the name of that that Thor run? Thor God of Thunder, where he was first introduced to Jason Aaron Thor run. Um, Except we do get to see more of his planet. We get to see more of his people. We get to see his wife. Uh, This is more. It was an entire family that died in the comics. If I'm sorry, not just his daughter. It was. It was. But but we see the same kind of thing where they're the last lone survivors of this decimated wasteland of a planet, like Mad Maxi kind of desert <laughs> planet um, without the leather. Uh, but they have tentacles, so it's cool. We still get our weird kink on. So, um, but yeah, and and they're surviving through, through prayer and through faith for their gods, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after his daughter dies, we hear a little voice, uh, you know, your your stereotypical like um come to me. Yeah. Kill the gods. And you know, Travis, it it's the same voice as I rewatched the clip today from Eternals from uh the post credit scene with uh with um Jon Snow opening mm-hmm. up the ebony blade. It's the same like oh, yeah. <laughs> open the box and come to me. Um yeah, and and out of this desert wasteland, all of a sudden, it kind of looks like what you'd imagine, like a mirage that like a crazy person would see before they they pass away. We see this like oasis of of you know water, water and fruit, and yeah, 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 yeah. And he's encountered by his literal god uh, named Rapu, uh, who he begs for help, and. Um, yeah, Rapu is basically a fucking total asshole and makes fun of Gore yeah. for his helplessness and refuses to provide any assistance and is like, the whole point is for you guys to struggle and pray for us. And, you know, like, my, I won't sacrifice my empire for fucking one person. And Gore's like, yeah, but, like, you have no empire. Like, yeah. everyone's all dead. All the dead. And Rapu was basically, I'll, there's always more. There are- <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, like I've been praying to Odin lately and you know, looking, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um conveniently enough though, Rapu has uh just slayed 
the wielder of the Necro Sword, um, which is a powerful ancient relic in the Marvel Universe. We learned that it's existed since the dawn of time. It, um, it gives its wielder these abilities to conjure like sword monsters and slay <laughs> gods. You know, yeah, it's yeah. the only sword that can like penetrate the skin of all of the gods. The only payoff, the only downside is it also like kills its owner. You know, it like slowly eats away at their, their being. So yeah, like you, a cancer, you might say. We'll we'll talk about how the analogies between Gore the God Butcher and Natalie Portman in this film, which I thought were kind of clever. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they, were, they were nice. Uh, I, were you I upset about them not having a link to uh, symbiote nonsense? So I was going to ask you about this because in the comic books... Um, the Necro Sword, and it this was not a part of Jason Aaron's run. This yeah. was later introduced um, when Donnie Cates had taken over for Silver Surfer Black, I think, was where this was all introduced and his Venom run. But we learned that the Necro Sword is was created at the dawn of universe by a being by the name of Null, who is the god of the symbiotes. Not the symbiotes, the symbiotes, because <laughs> we're loco for symbiotes here, uh-huh. um, and is directly linked to the Venom side of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was I bummed? No, because when I first <laughs> fell in love with the character of Gore, I had no idea that it had anything to do with Venom. Yeah, I, I, I don't like. I like symbiote stuff in small doses. I don't want an entire saga around the symbiote stuff. Uh, him I'm making shadow monsters with... is just good. Just <laughs> yeah. good. I'm looking at you with a look of disappointment right now. I I uh, <laughs> I would like uh, an entire symbiote nonsense. <laughs> I think every single character in the MCU should have a symbiote counterpoint at some point in time eventually. Um, I I definitely do not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we keep talking about our Miss Marvel episodes. How Nakia would be like the ultimate. Like all of a sudden she gets the symbiote or something like that. It would be like. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Oy. Um, do you think that they didn't do that because obviously the intellectual property rights between Sony? Oh yeah, yeah, it's one hundred percent. And and I'm kind of curious about this, Travis. And I did no research, but I, I do want to bring it up. <laughs> do you think that, like, technically in my head, because Null is so linked to Venom, that it would make Null a Marvel, uh, Marvel Sony property, right? It would make the Necro Sword oh, yeah. by um, association a property, intellectual property of um, Sony's division of Marvel. But like maybe when they bought it, they only owned like the characters from Spider Man before the time when they got the intellectual property right. So it doesn't count. You know what I mean? I I think it's an issue where because. The Necro Sword is mainly used in Thor books. It's a Thor item. They could maybe fight it <laughs> if they yeah, really yeah. needed to use it. But yeah, yeah, I think Null's definitely owned by Sony as far as movies go. And I think they're going to use him. Just oh, because, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's probably not going to be great, but it's, it's happening. You're crazy. Eddie Brock <laughs> in space, like it's the perfect place for the venom saga to go at this point. My um, thing is I don't think they'll take it to space. I think it's going oh. to be this earthbound 
So, you see, from in a trench's hoodie, it's still going to be very sweaty looking. And- <laughs> you don't think that there's going to be 45 minutes of Eddie in space just saying, like, this is crazy, I'm in space, you know, like, just like pretty much that's the entire bit? I would, that would be better than it being Earthbound, for sure. It's like the X-Men movies, they're, they're, when they finally introduce aliens, it's still on Earth, and <laughs> have you seen have you seen X Men Dark Phoenix? I have. I have. They go to space in that movie? Not enough. Not enough. They Not go enough. in the beginning and then they come back and then there are aliens on Earth. And mm-hmm. that's and where uh, and then that's the only thing worthwhile about the movie. And there's that little scene where they're having that party outside and someone's like, Where's the ice? And then Storm makes like some ice cubes. <laughs> That is not one of the things I thought was great, but uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I like that scene. That was my uh, that was my softball scene. You know what I mean? Like um, every. I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. At the end of every X Men arc, for listeners who don't understand what that reference was, at the end of every big X Men arc, after they save the world or the universe or whatever, there was always this standalone issue where it was just the mutants hanging around the mansion playing softball and kind of bickering. Mm-hmm. Um, the apocalypse uh film a movie that travis and i think is totally fine and okay um has the let's go to the mall scene that's the softball scene and the that movie parties, would be so much better if that scene was longer that movie would be so much better if it was just x-men go to the mall yeah um, yeah 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 yeah. And yeah just do the egypt stuff at the beginning of the apocalypse and then they just go to the mall and then we never resolve anything mm-hmm. it was just out of the it's or Apocalypse goes to the mall and gets a makeover. Yeah, that's I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like you got to chill out, bro. And then they just have this like, <laughs> He's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the scene where like he goes in and out of the dressing room and like comes out and goes like, hey, and he's like wearing something and they all give thumbs down. And then eventually he's got like a cool like party bro shirt on, like a Hawaiian I was thinking shirt. Of, uh, Napoleon and Bill and Ted, like that sort of it- Exactly, exactly, like yeah, that. Yeah. exactly like that or like he's in the 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 beauty salon and they spin him around in the chair and he's got a new haircut like yeah. what do you guys think and they're all like hmm, could be better getting there getting there and then eventually he's got like a mohawk and they're like right on bro um yeah that i mean <laughs> fox sony <laughs> let us know we're around <laughs> if you if you just need us to spitball <laughs> ideas for your for your mutants or your your venom uh, films where we're around if you want to talk about it. Um, what do you think about how the Necro Sword looked? Because in the um, in the comics, it's well in the film, it's it's basically like a solid piece of of metal, and in yeah, the yeah. comics, it's it's kind of fleshy and like gobular, gobular. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's gooby. It's a symbiote sword looking. Yeah, uh, it's okay. I don't. The look of the sword wasn't going to matter much to me in general. Like it, unless they went with something completely ridiculous looking. Mm-hmm. Like a sword's a sword. Uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen it have some more kind of like liquidy abilities. You know, it does have this like you stab it in the ground and shadow monsters come out, which is great. I do really like that. <laughs> um, but. You know, it just kind of like looked like a sword to me, and I kind of wish it like had some fleshy character. Maybe I'm watching too many David Cronenberg movies lately, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I would have liked it. Um, but we do get the gore line, and here is my vow: all gods must die. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which I really dug, man. Like, 
you know, they did it. They did it. As far as I'm concerned, in the first five minutes of this film before the Marvel title card popped up, we're on a good path here, you know? Yes. I laughed a little bit. I got a fuzzy little, like, tree Muppet. I got this (laughs) funky little god. I was like, all right, Taika's here. Christian Bale's put on a clinic, but we have real stakes. We have real loss. Not only do we understand where Gore's coming from, we kind of agree with them at this point. Um, and, And I'm, like, all in. And then, enemy of the podcast, Michael Giacchino revamps the Marvel Studios uh, fanfare with a quote unquote shredding metal guitar. I hadn't realized that Giacchino was coming back to score this film. The last film was scored by Devo's Mark Mothersbaum, who does a lot of the Wes Anderson films who I'm like a huge fan of. I love his work and film mm-hmm. scoring. I thought it gave Ragnarok. I thought it complimented that film and his tone very well. Um, I did not like the score of this movie. And I haven't even really asked you, are you like a Guns N' Roses fan, Travis? No, I don't like hair metal, but Guns N' Roses is a, I don't know if I can consider them hair metal. I know they have some of it, but it's not as, pronounced as Motley Crue to me. Yeah, but, like Cinderella. <laughs> Firehouse. I I like a little bit of Guns N' Roses. I won't, and they're not a band I will turn on. No, I won't hunt down YouTube videos to watch them perform and whatnot. No. I don't, it doesn't bother me the way that I will leave a room if Motley Crue or if Cherry Pie or something pops up on the radio. <laughs> Yeah. Where you throw a tantrum and leave the room. Yeah, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> Jump out of a moving vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing that severe. Yeah. Now, the first uh, Taika Thor film um, prominently used Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song, where it was kind of the anthem of the film. And yeah, yeah. the promotional material for Love and Thunder used Sweet Child of Mine, which by the end of the film made a ton of sense at the beginning of the film it's starting to make sense with the loss of this child mm-hmm. um they use a bunch of guns and roses songs here i think they got a package deal i know they paid like a million dollars for led zeppelin as an immigrant song with sure Ragnarok. so i think they got a package deal with guns yeah and roses. i thought it kind of using multiple songs like that kind of diminished the effect of it by like the I second or third that. time it yeah. started to happen because they played Sweet Child of Mine twice. They used Paradise <laughs> City once. Shout I out! Paradise City. I like Paradise City because just the drums coming in kind of gets me hyped. I know it's simple and it's just like, <laughs> pooch, pooch, but yeah. like it, it's it works. It's effective. You know, um, they do use an ABBA song to great effect in this film as well, um, but. Did you notice any changes to the uh, Marvel Studios logo? The only one I really caught. I saw Moon Knight in there. Uh, I saw that and Miss Marvel uh, okay. in costume. So cool. Yeah, Do yeah. you get a good glimpse of her in costume? I haven't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it's uh, one of the last little bits and see. Thor um, is uh, continuing his adventures with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that's where we last saw him. At the end of Endgame. That's the last time we saw Thor, right? Well, before we even get to the Guardians, if we get narration by Korg. I was about to say. And then we get our sweet, sweet recap by uh, Korg the Cronin, played by uh, icon uh, Taika Waititi. A self-declared icon Taika Waititi. (laughs) Do you... 
did you mind the recap? I I don't like getting a recap for movies in the same franchise, I guess. <laughs> same series of I don't know. Maybe I'm being too picky. I know that we're like 30 movies deep almost, so they'll have to do a little bit of that, but I don't know. Yeah. I I liked it here because I thought it was used to a decent effect. Mm -hmm. And the kind of premise of this film is, um, you know, identifying like what gods do, what a god should do, you know, what these um, these powerful beings should be and what they should mean. And there is this aspect to religion where a lot of this all in myth and myth Mm -hmm. where it started as, um, you know, oral storytelling. Right. Um, So I thought having Korg doing these narrations within a cave, if they were going for like thematically, this is how like these kinds of stories were birthed, how these kinds of myths were birthed, you know, and kind of like the modern myth, you know, the superhero film or, or the franchise (laughs) Jurassic world dominion, Um, (laughs) you know, the fast saga. Um, I, I thought that's what they were kind of going for. And I think, Taika is just so like it's so easy to kind of be enamored by the guy because one he's got a very funny voice he's got great delivery um so I didn't mind any of this at all it here's here's where I have to say that I got a little too much Corey in this one I, I liked him a lot in Ragnarok but yeah a little too much Corey being Korg just too much uh, a little too much Taika being Taika is yeah. what you're saying. That's, that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. He does kind of feel like he's sniffing his own farts and he's like, oh, people liked me. I can be me, you know, mm-hmm. like look at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. But I liked this flashback. We get the shot of um, yeah, Rene Russo. Yeah, well, yeah. it wasn't her, but yes. Yeah, so- <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> Just like a DH, Rene Russo of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I uh, but but you see him like strapped in to her mm-hmm. little like bassinets, like running into battle, which which I really fucking dug. Um, I do you know the shots of like Thor growing up? Did you mm-hmm. see you know those? Um, this was all set to Enya, by the way, which I thought was like a kind of funny needle drop. Uh, but one of those Thors, the the young teenager one, is Hemsworth's actual son, and actually. The girl who plays um, Gore's daughter is Chris Hemsworth's actual daughter. There's a lot of nepotism in this movie, if what you're telling me, pretty much. Tyka's kid, I think, is in it. Natalie Portman's kid is in it. Yeah, there's a lot of nepotism. And and here's some more nepotism. There's the funny line where it's talking about all the women that he's won over (laughs) in his past. And it shows him on the swashbuckling adventure, like making out with this chick on a boat. With the the scene where people were really speculated about that scene. And then it's just like, yeah, it's a flashback. Yeah. I'll fight the plot whatsoever. And then there's the, uh, he made love to a wolf woman on a woman wolf. And then they're all howling to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, Elsa Pataki, uh, Chris Hemsworth's actual wife from uh, Fast and the Furious fame. Um, <laughs> um, and then he says, but there's the one who got away, Jane Fonda. Um, <laughs> did those bits hit? Because one of Taika's things, and it's a very kind of like British or Monty Python-esque thing, but I also guess it it it's, has a lot to do with like New Zealand humor, which like 
kind of has like its own tone within itself. It's mm-hmm. it's not dry humor the way like Brit humor is. It's like nonsense humor. It, it's like <laughs> silly nonsense. Like Fly of the Concords and like Eagle vs. Shark like were my first like real introduction to like what New Zealand humor was kind of like all about. But they love to like take a dumb bit and then like hit you over the head with it like one or two times and then like do it again and then do it again where the bit becomes like not funny and then comes back around it comes around to being funny again like the goat shit in this is the other one you yeah, know yeah i like the goat stuff uh. yeah and i liked the uh the jane fonda or jody foster bit quite a bit um <laughs> and then also um he's like and then he lost jane and then he lost this guy and this guy and this guy and i don't even know who those guys are which was kind of mocking all the neckbeards who care about the warriors three and complain so much about uh yeah about yeah. hogan and fandrel and i can't fucking remember the other guy you I, almost got it though yeah, and i know you were one yeah. of those people i know yeah, you were one know, of those people i just i know that someone cares so i i, I don't like characters being disrespected <laughs> I'm just glad Lady Sif uh, is still around. Thank God for the blacklist or whatever. Oh, whatever kept her from having to show up for Ragnarok. Yeah. 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 Some NBC show that like no one watched that kept her schedule. She loves playing Lady Sif apparently. And I like looking at her. So I'm, I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see Jamie Alexander uh, eventually back in here. Um I also like the expression, he put in the hard yards, which I'm going to start saying uh, once I get back to the gym. Um, and it shows like very quickly how, you know, he went from being fat to being in shape, but he's still hiding from, you know, how sad and how lonely he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's now just waiting to be called upon because he doesn't, Thor is without purpose at this point you know, essentially at the end of the day, like he's without, he's without love. Um, (laughs) And then I think it ends with him saying like, and then he just sits there and waits for someone to say, Thor, we need your help to win this battle. And then everyone's favorite actor, Chris Pratt comes up and says, Thor, we need you to win this battle. And he also Um, said, I never attended Hillsong. That is also. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I never went to that church and that church doesn't think anything bad about anyone from the church. He just said that he actually never went there. That was uh, speculation. Mm -hmm. And then there's like pictures of him attending. There's no telling. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Him marrying into the Schwarzenegger family and the Kennedy family and like all these like Republican affiliated. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what happens when Chris Pratt becomes the next generation's Ronald Reagan, when he becomes a millennial, (laughs) you know what I mean? When Chris Pratt runs for governor of California someday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I could see it happening. He's very handsome. I will say. His facial hair in this kind of like shit. It makes him feel like a fucking human, though. I was literally about to compliment his facial hair. Where like <laughs> I've seen him in like. See, he's uh, already trying to dupe you uh, into uh, thinking that he's the common everyday man. That, <laughs> that he is not. Um, but. Like Gunn knows how to use Pratt really well. And then you see movies like The Tomorrow War, Jurassic World, Dominion. And he's like clean shaven. And I'm just like, I don't like this. You know what I mean? Like, I like him a little scrappy. You know what I mean? And and he looks a little scrappy. Um, And Thor riding down to the battlefield. 
on Stormbreaker like it was a uh, oh, witch's bro. broom. Yes, yes. That was fucking awesome. I, I loved Didn't all that. <laughs> really? No, it didn't bother me. It's just kind of, okay, that's a little dumb. Just, it made me laugh. This, very this whole Guardians bit, the bits that they were trying to be funny, just made me think this is a stupid movie for stupid babies. Then you realize this is a stupid movie made for stupid babies. It and, is. It is. I know. Well, it we're 37 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> it does have cancer, so we have to. And a guy murdering guns for the death of his child. So mm-hmm. it's not completely, but I guess. Like, absolutely and it's it's got a couple academy award winning people in it so we have to pay respect to that which uh-huh. is insane um this battle sequence on on whatever planet it is i liked this i liked the people on the planet who were like you know our gods were killed and now we can't take over our temple or whatever mm-hmm. it's like in ruins uh king what the hell is this guy's name i wrote it down <laughs> king you can tell his name was you can tell and um, I, I liked him. I thought he was very funny. Like, oh, um, he's doing like a Christopher Walken impression, and it, it. In this movie, it was Christian Bell. It was uh, Russell Crowe, and then there's just expert. Those are <laughs> your favorite performances in the movie. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I like Thor's little speech or whatever, and like how everyone's sitting around waiting for it, and the guardians are like struggling to shit, like they're all about to fucking die. And then yeah, Thor's yeah. like, Don't worry, everybody, I got this, and basically like disrobes. He's got the straight up like Thunderstrike. Yeah, it's uh, very similar. It's as close as we'll get to it in live action, probably. What if Thor 5 is called like Thor Thunderstrike? And it's just. <laughs> It's not even about Thor. It's about some new character. Yeah, yeah, or Masterson, whatever it is. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'll be extremely upset if we get fucking Thunderstrike before we get better ego. <laughs> Probably going to happen because yeah, he's, he's not a, a horse person. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not easier to animate this fucking face. <laughs> the um, the thing that used to like kind of drive me nuts, and and it's, sometimes it still does. Like I'll pick up like a trade. Mm-hmm from whatever era it is and like one of the characters will be it won't be thor it'll be thunderstrike you know what i mean <laughs> like um you know like rereading like death of superman i'll just use as like an example and it's like the justice league are here to help and you're like who the fuck are all these guys you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah, the- they're trying out a bunch of new characters trying to elevate them or whatnot but it's mm-hmm. yeah yeah and isn't one of the jim starlin like infinity um crossovers doesn't that have eric masterson instead of thor right oh man possibly i i don't i can't say it for sure but yeah it wouldn't surprise me yeah and i'm sure people are going to be like that in like 10 years from now (laughs) when like you know what i mean they're like why is you know sam wilson who the hell is this guy you know what i mean like um that kind of stuff has like always happened but who the hell knows um, we get space Muppets here, little owl space Muppets uh, set <laughs> to... Very good Muppets. Uh, they have such big heads and they're so goofy looking and wild. They're like yeah. fraggles or something. It's... Yes. Yeah. They're very Jim Henson looking little Muppets. And while like, I'd imagine this is an entirely CG'd environment. These are entirely mm-hmm. CG'd vehicles. I do think that these are little puppets on a green screen. I, I think that too. The hair. That's a lot of hair to animate, and hair is hard to animate. It, it has to be cheaper just to make a Muppet. 
And like hair, not only now I'm kind of like thinking like because I watch so many of these fucking corridor crew videos. Like <laughs> hair, <laughs> hair is so hard to animate, um, and it's also really hard to like composite like on green screens because you have to like go in and actually rotoscope around the green screen. I do manually. some Photoshop, and yeah, anytime I have to Photoshop someone's hair, it's a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would hate to have that job on a movie production and doing it for 24 frames for every single second that that thing is on yeah yeah no thank you uh, no but i would imagine actually i was saying i'd imagine that these vehicles are completely cgi'd but i bet the things in their direct surrounding area like the cockpit and like whatever's behind them mm-hmm. actually might be practical just so they can get the effect of the hair and that lighting and stuff could you know be. what i mean could be i, I hope so kind of uh and I thought the lighting here in that CGI environment was like pretty good. Like that stuff's kind of hard to get. Like there was some good shadows. There was a lot of stuff like coming off of the um, whatever the propeller was that like mm-hmm. jet engine and shit. Like there was like a cool shot of the jet engine and shit getting kicked up. And I liked this fight sequence and I was excited to talk about Travis, <laughs> uh, talk to Travis about this fight sequence here. Um, there's a part where two um, fraggle ox uh um fraggle owl muppet monsters are going straight at thor and he jumps up in the air and does a gcvd fucking split to hold them back and a hilarious like like scream at them yeah yeah it's it's a blatant nod i'm gonna say there's footage of him doing it between two diesels and the pan out and everything is the same I think it's a Volvo commercial, okay. actually. <laughs> it may be. It may be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what do you think of this fight sequence, Travis? <laughs> I did not like it. I, it really, the, the entire opening scene with the Guardians is just not what I wanted from it. Marvel has a tendency to set stuff up for future movies and then explain it away in the first 10 minutes. Of the mm-hmm. next movie, where the thing they set up wound up not being a, a thing at all, where okay, we're going to have to see how Thor and Star-Lord are going to vie for control of who's the leader of the Guardians. And it's clearly Thor in this movie, and it was uh, settled off-screen. I mean, it it is kind of, like, settled on-screen. Like, after winning this battle, I, I like his little bit when he's like, um, you know, we all should take credit because we did it together. And then mm-hmm. the fucking temple like falling down behind them and the Christopher Walken Muppet being sad about it. And then them going back to the ship and receiving all of these kind of uh, distress calls from across the universe. You forgot um, the gift they gave. Someone. Oh, yeah. I did forget they the gift. Please him a, uh, a pair of goats. Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder are probably their names if they're going off the comics, but are Norse <laughs> mythology. I, uh... And these goats uh, basically have the same, they make the same sound that that screaming goat um, YouTube video makes that everyone has seen. Uh, they're very loud. Those goat screaming is just a thing that there are a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> yeah. at this point. They, uh, yeah. When I found out what lambs and goats sounded like when they scream, I like just couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had no idea what Clarice Starling was talking about <laughs> that entire time and why that memory would have stuck with her so much to the point where she had to confess it to a violent serial killer um, mm-hmm. until I finally heard the sound of a goat uh, scream. And, and it is pretty fucking gnarly. Do you remember in Man of Steel? <laughs> Do you remember in Man of Steel when um, John 
Jonathan Kent was uh, telling Clark about how like the neighbor's farm was on fire and he could hear the goats screaming <laughs> and then yeah, how yeah. he saved the goats, but he couldn't save the people. And he came home and, and he was a hero and his wife made him a hero cake. And he's mm-hmm. like, and what's the moral of this story? You didn't save anyone. And he's like, that sometimes you just do what you got to do. And just, you can't save people. It's just how it is. Don't be a better person and learn how to save people. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a bold move. He give Jonathan Kent, uh, fucking Hannibal Lecter dialogue, but it's cool. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All was, of the parent pep talks in the Snyder films are fucking insane. They're so characters that are supposed to be, yeah. It, I the literal embodiment of noblism. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just gross and mm-hmm. the opposite of Uncle Ben and <laughs> the opposite of Jonathan Kent and Martha. Yeah, from yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know. I've only seen the Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> You've read All Star Superman, right? <laughs> yeah. Good. I reread uh, Mark Wade's Superman Birthright the other day because I found the single issues in my basement while I was mm-hmm. moving some stuff around. Travis, fellow Beyonders listeners out there, if you want to read a good Superman comic, Superman Birthright, pretty good little uh, retelling of his origin there where they do a lot to explain how he's going to look like Clark Kent when he's not Superman and how he should slouch a little bit and the way he should <laughs> up her clothes. It's very funny. They like go out of their way to explain it where you're like, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense here. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, the goats are on the, the Guardian ship. The Milano, is that still the name of their ship? I don't know if it is or not. I want to say it. That's the original one, and they're on a second ship now. It's yeah, a different name. I can't. With a different name of a babe from that, yeah. Part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're on the Guardian ship, and the goats are wailing away, and Drax is wrestling them, and um, they're fucking shit up. Goats are stupid animals, from what I understand. They, uh, I've heard that too. Uh, they'll eat anything. Yeah, I always imagine goats eating cans and like boots. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. my impression of goats is from cartoons from the 1940s <laughs> only. <laughs> Just hanging out with hobos and like eating their boots. Um, you get your only line of dialogue, I think, from Nebula in the entire fucking thing, right? You get two, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's not much of anything. Uh, Mantis gets one where she gets to emulate a whistle or something, and that's kind of funny, but yeah, I was just disappointed with the Guardians inclusion in general. You know who does get some good uh, Guardians bits, though, here is James Gunn's brother, yeah. Sean Gunn from Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his, like, getting back, and they're like, you've been here the whole time, Craglin? And he's like, yeah, you told me to stay with the ship. By the way, this is so-and-so, and we're married. And I'm just being like, dude, you've been getting married on every single planet that we've been on. I yeah, like a full harem at this point. Where it's, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. I liked all that bit. So they are receiving all of these distress calls from around the universe. Um, All of them are screaming out like our gods have been murdered, blah, blah, blah. The God butcher is coming. And they're all like, who the hell is the God butcher? And then all of a sudden they freeze frame on one. We see the beautiful Jamie Alexander coming back as a lady Sif saying Thor. We need you. Very convenient that they found this for plot purposes. (laughs) Um, I was, 
I was told that a couple of the frames from this sequence are actually like straight from the yeah comics. yeah yeah the, the ones of the gods hanging uh, on hooks or whatever that's from the comic for sure. <laughs> that was uh, Gore's gods, I think, from the comics, right? I'm not sure on that. It's been a little too long for me to say who they were. Okay, I don't um, actually remember what his gods looked like in the comics, or if they actually showed them. Uh, yeah. They didn't look like a uh, spirited away creature, I don't believe, <laughs> from what I could remember. <laughs> uh, I, I will probably forget if I fucking wait. Miyazaki. I, I was hoping we were going to get some of the Shi'ar guns. I know that I'm not going to get the Shi'ar anytime fucking soon, but... I know, and that's all we want. We just want to see <laughs> Professor X try and get it up uh, despite I mean, his paralysis and have with an alien. If they told me those bird uh, Muppets earlier or the Shi'ar, I would have been thrilled. Even though, like, long term, it would be a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> if they made the Shi'ar space Muppets. Actually, the more I think about it, and after what you just said about Xavier marrying the Queen of the Shi'ar, I, I, mean, I kind of do want it to be those Muppets, no. I, yeah, of course. <laughs> we don't kink shame on this podcast. <laughs> They're sentient, uh, conscious yeah. beings that make uh, adult decisions. It's not weird. Not weird at all. Not weird at all. Even though Professor X might be telling them to do it with his mind. Well, that's the problem with his powers in general. That and is just Professor X in general. He's a little bit of a creep, especially in those early bit. issues. Those early issues are wild. I was, uh, I'm writing a teleplay for our friends, the Androids Amazing Podcast, to um, uh, do an audio play of the first ever X Men comic, right? Mm -hmm. And as I'm doing it from like the first arc, there's a lot of like Professor X talking about Jean Grey arriving to the school. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Introducing her as a 16-year-old and then talking about how beautiful she is in her mind and then her being like, I can hear you, Professor, but thank yeah. you. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, that hasn't aged well. Uh, I, do, I don't think that was good back then, by the way. Clara. I would hope not, but fucking, mm -hmm. I think those people were savages back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a funny bit in that first issue where like, Iceman's the only one that isn't fawning at Regine Grey. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then he, he gets introduced by sliding down on a, a pole. Yeah. yeah, he does. But we don't know where the pole came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was as I'm writing the teleplay and I'm doing all the introductions. It's I had to change like all the dialogue because it's all like Iceman cooling and reporting for duty, sir, and it's like Cyclops here. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just like, I got to change this all, you know, clickety-clack, because um, it's just so... It's you think you know better than Stan Lee? And <laughs> you think I live in 2022 yeah. and yeah. know how That's, people talk now. I guess we're humans. Uh, yeah. Have you um, seen this internet craze where people went through, like, a 1960s cookbook where, like, I guess, like, back then, like... Oddly enough, like Campbell's Soup and like companies like Campbell's or even like Colgate, they were like oddly powerful and, and had like a lot of influence in the media. Um, there was like the Colgate Variety Hour and it was like hosted by Cher and it was just mm -hmm. like an hour where a toothpaste company told you what music to listen to. And then there was like Campbell's Soup and it like told you how to cook. But there was like this whole thing in this one cookbook and actually it was in a bunch of cookbooks from the 60s um, where there was a drink called the Beef Fizz. Now, uh, 
people have been making this beef fizz and uh you know i googled it to see what it was and one thing i found a uh a um urban dictionary article and what they call the beef fizz i don't even think i could say out loud on this podcast um but it's a mixture of bodily fluids coming out of something um and, and then there was what the beef fizz drink was and it's um i think it's vodka or gin with two cups of beef broth um lemon juice and ginger ale put into a blender that sounds fucking horrendous sounds crazy and it's like summer drink like when it's really hot to like quench your thirst and they recommend trying a non-alcoholic instead of like lemonade or iced mm-hmm. tea on a hot day but i could just imagine like drinking this and then like my sweat just being brown you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. like thick like like play-doh coming out of my pores <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah yeah that that sounds fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. The 60s were weird, apparently. So, um, yeah. So Thor basically says, like, you guys, the 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 universe needs it. The galaxy needs its guardians. I'm sorry. The galaxy needs its guardians. And I will be on my way to go save my friend, uh, Jamie Alexander. And we get this little speech. I, I think Pratt does. I don't. I agree with you where I think uh, this guardian stuff is kind of like their interactions are the weaker part of the film, despite Mm. me liking the visuals and some of the humor with Thor working very well and the humor with the aliens working very well, just because I like space Muppets. Of course. course. Um, But I I think Pratt does some heavy lifting in these scenes, especially I think Hemsworth is just so much more like engaging. He's he's just more charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more charismatic than Chris Pratt. Um, But this little sequence where he's like, I know you've been alive for like hundreds of thousands of years, but buddy, like you don't know who the hell you are. Um, You know, I think it's love that you need. Like, you know, I didn't know what that was. I was lost. I found love. And even when I lost it, like I'd rather feel shitty now than how I felt before. So you just need to find something to make you feel as shitty as me. I I liked all of this stuff quite a bit. Um, I imagine you don't. <laughs> Do you? That part was okay. It wasn't. I didn't. It was all like nothing to me. Almost like it was, I was just waiting for the movie to get going uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is where our Guardians of the Galaxy depart, and Thor, Korg, and the two goats um, use the Bifrost to send themselves to. Lady Sif's uh, distress call. So before we go there, we should kind of talk about. There's a cutaway to Jane and her yeah. chemo treatments, which is not the most important part. The most important part is that she encounters a person reading a book she wrote, and she tries to explain uh, wormholes to this guy. Exactly how we would. Yes. Yes. Via Event Horizon. And Interstellar, which I thought was amazing that uh, we <laughs> talked about Event Horizon on this movie so fucking much, and they they finally uh, we willed it into existence. And I also think it's a, a thing where she was gauging the guy's intelligence level, where she leads with Event Horizon, where it's kind of a dumb mm-hmm. movie, but a fun one, and then Interstellar, where it's smarter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but still, like... Only she- a little. <laughs> 
only a little and they they both do the exact and she then she does the event horizon thing that sam neil does where he's like you know long story short and he folds a piece of paper he yes. in event horizon he uses a uh picture of a naked lady and the <laughs> the captain gets very upset yeah. the uh the the pilot rather who actually plays alfred in the um the television series gotham uh yeah, yeah, that's the same yeah. actor yeah and and she's like point a and she draws it out on a piece of paper and point b she draws it out on the other side of the piece of paper and then she closes it together and i'm doing it for travis she pokes a little uh, hole through the paper and she's like see now i just explained an einstein rosenbridge and i was like i i just thought of you the entire time i'm sure i'm sure i didn't even register that samuel is also in this movie so the people that mm-hmm. complain about uh fucking Samuel L. Jackson being uh, Star Wars being referenced in the MCU while Samuel L. Jackson was in Star Wars and the series are going to, I guess, have to be upset. Uh, of course, because now we have a Rent Horizon canon. It exists in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. Yeah. <laughs> a movie that I rewatched recently and had so much fun while I was rewatching it mm-hmm. and then asked my my roommate at, at the next day. I was like, when's the last time you saw Event Horizon? They're like so long ago. I was like, we got to watch it right now, dude. It's on Tubi. It's on Tubi. Yeah, yeah, not a sponsor yeah, of, of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we popped it up on Tubi and, and it's a delight. It's so dated. Oh yeah, yeah. It's CGI so... has not aged well. That is one thing I would like to see updated. There is absolutely no profit in them to do this. But no, n- nobody cares. Well, apparently, like people care. Like supposedly, um, I keep calling him Paul Thomas Anderson, but we we differentiated that. It's Paul W S Anderson, the the <laughs> filmmaker behind uh, Mortal Kombat and the Resident Evil films, yeah. um, has uh has said that there is a much more hardcore longer version of that movie that exists where like they went full out with the orgy stuff and, Mm -hmm. and like the blood orgy in that movie. Um, And it's just, it was way too crazy. And the studio was like, nah, we cannot do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that for the Blu-ray release, they were trying to like basically release the, the Paul W S Anderson cut. (laughs) And then they accidentally hired Paul Thomas Anderson and he made it. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's Event Horizon starring Adam Sandler and Daniel Day-Lewis. But um, the, uh, the, the concepts in that movie are really cool. And again, like it's, it's Hellraiser in space, but like better than the actual Hellraiser in space. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Hellraiser in space didn't have enough space. With their Hellraiser, and pretty much for the issue with that movie, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and it's also funny that like both of her examples are just like, what if we opened up a wormhole to a nightmare world? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the Jane getting cancer treatment stuff. Um, you know, we we it opens on a really cool transition from. Uh, you know, it, it blasts off to the sky and then it blasts off. And instead of it being like a sun or some sort of celestial object, it's the the CAT scan or the MRI uh, screening. I really liked the editing there. Um, but we kind of get a sense of like how dire her circumstances. Um, Darcy, what's the name of this actress? Kat Dennings uh, yes. makes another appearance and basically tells us like, you know, 
how bad could it be? And she's like, it's stage four. And it's like, yeah, but how many stages? It's like, there are four stages of cancer. Yeah, yeah. Jane yeah. was dumb for the sake of the funny. Granted, she was probably just making light of the situation. And that's, that's the stuff the with right Taika. Yeah. yeah. And that's the stuff with Taika that I think he does really well. You know what I mean? Like, we do cut from this, this, these space Muppets and stuff to a rather <laughs> effective, like, shit, a character we care about is dying and it's being treated as such. Like, the loneliness of sitting in those chemo or those dialysis chairs is like felt. Like, she is bored, counting the clock, making conversation with the random person next to her, shit like that. Um, we get a brief, uh, bit with, uh, friend of the podcast Stalin Skarsgård over a zoom call or something along those yeah, lines yeah 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 it was nice to see him in there uh, it's always nice to see Stalin Skarsgård and uh I'll bring him up a little bit later but I have a hot take about Stalin Skarsgård and this movie taking credit for something that Stalin Skarsgård's done in the past um <laughs> and um yeah she's she's basically in denial not not in denial she knows she's dying but she's refusing to like sit back and relax and enjoy herself she's still just you know she's a workaholic she's a scientist she's gonna yeah, like, work yeah. her work her way around and um as she's doing her research um she hears a book calling to her like the <laughs> like the god butcher yeah, sword on that uh my hearing shit so i didn't actually hear it call but <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was saying like Dane Whitman opened the box. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, same kind of shit. And she's drawn to this um, book on Norse myth. And when she opens it up, Guns and Roses, Paradise City starts playing, and we see like he who holds uh, Molnir will have, you know, health. stamina, increased health, and increased yeah. strength. And uh, we get a flash over to new. Asgard, which has since become a tourist destination, I guess. There's I the... liked the shot of New Asgard because I want it to look a little more Asgard than when we last saw it, and it finally does. Now that King Valkyrie's running things. Uh, yep. And I know you're probably going to get to it, but Jane seeking help in the Divine for her plight is paralleling Glory to God Butchers in the beginning, pretty much. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The parallels between them both in search of the divine and then divine, the, the divine inevitably being the thing that's destroying them. Mm -hmm. And both of them literally wielding objects that are giving them the power that they seek, but also slowly making their situation worse and eating them away. Um, you know, the blessing and the curse kind of thing. Mm-hmm good parallel like you know not so subtle but they don't bang you over the head with it with a hammer literally or figuratively even though they kind of do um and uh and i like the shots of new asgard too the the norwegian cruise lines being redecorated to have um the bifrost colors on it Mm -hmm. was kind of fun um returning to the theater performance (sighs) diminishing returns for me 100 percent. so the first time seeing Liam Hemsworth and Matt Damon and um, Sam Neill mm-hmm. playing Thor, Loki, and Odin, that made me cackle when I saw it in Ragnarok. It was um, also just the right length. 
this one went a little longer and and it was reminding us of a movie that everyone has seen as opposed to <laughs> the dark world a movie that had not much maligned yes yes exactly like making a joke of the events of thor the dark world was much more effective than doing it with uh the events of thor ragnarok even though in my head i thought and we say it a bunch on the podcast stanley once said everyone's comic book is their first comic book and it's the reason why when i said the softball episode before (laughs) and i think in my head everyone's podcast is the first podcast you know like anyone you know what i mean yeah yeah. yep so i just got to be like real quickly here's what the x-men softball is or something like that you know so like what if somebody just walked into this movie and it was their first Thor movie and they're like, why doesn't Thor have his hammer? And it's like, oh yeah, because Melissa McCarthy destroyed it. Like, I get it. You know what I mean? Um, So it's like a little, and I think it's a clever way to do a catch up, uh, not a mustard, but (laughs) um, the Matt Damon, Liam Hemsworth stuff does pay off later with the theater bro kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll get to in a couple minutes. Um, I like seeing Tessa Thompson kind of like bored as King Valkyrie here as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought all of that stuff was was kind of fun. And then did you notice there's that sequence where the tour guide showing the fallen remains of Molnir, which I'm curious, how did they get them on the platform if no one can lift them up? But They built it but, around it. <laughs> they built it around it and they dug out. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's how, logistically, that's how they'd have to do it. They'd have to, like, you know, put a platform underneath the earth and then dig around the earth and then, like, make this little dome. Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't have to do that too much. Well, unfortunately, (laughs) I did. Um, Did you notice who the tour guide was? I did Okay, that was Dwayne, the roommate from the the, uh, Team Thor shorts. Yeah, yeah, I didn't catch that at all. Mm-hmm. And there's some parts of this movie that we're going to get to where Korg is doing a flashback where I was like, where did this take place? When did this take place? Because we know it didn't take place after Age of Ultron. <laughs> I know so what you're I'm, talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking all that took place during the Civil War times. And that's what Thor was up to. Regardless, um, Natalie Portman is uh, sneaking around with a hoodie on so no one can notice that she's a movie star. She's taking a look at the fallen remains of Molnir and we see thunder and lightning a crashing and then it cuts to um, Thor and Korg and the goats responding to this fucking distress call on um, whatever fucking planet. It is. What's the name of this planet? Fangrol. Uh, I do not catch it. Do not catch it. You don't remember it from the comics? I can't remember either. No, no. Uh, it would have to be much fresher in my mind to have any help with that. <laughs> but we see it's a snowy planet, and we see this like slain monster, this gigantic lizard snow beast looking thing. Yeah, it's apparently a god, but yeah, uh, a friendly one. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, but it's uh, Falagor, right? Falangor? Um, But this shot, you, you mentioned how you think your aspect ratio is off in your theater. Oh, no, I completely blanked that they did show this in theater. Uh, for some reason, I don't remember the big shot. The fucking yeah, big, the, I saw the Rubik's art that they fucking translated pretty much perfectly. Perfectly. And I thought this looked great. I'm a pittance, I'm sure. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully he made a dime at least, yeah, maybe yeah. two dimes. Who the fuck knows? Um, yeah, and then we see Lady Sif fallen, um, without an arm, basically, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, Sif has been defeated, her arm has been severed, and she's warning, um, Thor that that gore is on his way to new Asgard. Um, yeah, she's also just wanting to die to get to Valhalla, and Thor has to explain that that's not right, the way it works. <laughs> you uh, have to die actively in battle. So the ending of this movie isn't actually going to make any sense. Well... <laughs> you thought I was going to say something nice, but I was... No, I, I mean... It, yeah. No, it's... Uh, how it's long like, had that battle been over? You know what I mean? Like, maybe... She was dying of her wounds. <laughs> She was dying of her wounds from that battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. And Natalie Portman doesn't die from her wounds of the battle. She dies of the mm -hmm. cancer. But technically, it was still kind of during the battle. Like, the battle hadn't been resolved yet. Uh, my rationale is that the battle with cancer is the one that she lost. So, Oh, that's your genius, my friend. This is why we have this show. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh. So they have this uh, convenient thing called the Bifrost in Stormbreaker. And they're able to zip-zap over to New Asgard <laughs> relatively quickly. Um, it is a uh, exterior night, new Asgard. And um, <laughs> Gore is uh, using this necro sword basically to swarm all the new Asgardians with, um, with shadow monsters. Um, those things actually do have names. They're called fuck. God damn, I can't even remember their names. I, I, I had it in the back of my Does mind. Does it say in the movie what they're called? It doesn't, but I do know uh, that they, they do have names. Um, Doug, oh, Doug too, and No, no, no. They're called Black Berserkers, my friend. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. They're called Black Berserkers. Thank God I remembered that. I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so Thor, Korg, and Sif arrive to confront all of these as um, King Valkyrie is is also assisting them donning a uh Android Weber's Phantom of the Opera sweatshirt which I thought was kind of funny how Valkyrie was like basically fighting in her pajamas for this entire sequence um and as they're in the middle of the battle Thor hears and sees Mjolnir doesn't know who's wielding it and basically this is where the whole like love triangle or quadruple I don't know what you would call that between four things between Jane Thor Stormbreaker and Molnir kind of begins with mm -hmm. his like whispering to like here boy here boy but we do get our first look at Jane as the mighty Thor and she looks fucking awesome here man she looks fucking awesome here yeah yeah I couldn't be more pleased with how they adapted the look having the helmet is the right color she looks great in it better than Chris Hemsworth in his own helmet, pretty much. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Although I do kind of dig how um, Thor, the second he sees Bolnir, like puts on his like regal fucking Thor suit, yes. and like it doesn't go on all the way, and like he does a look, hmm, like shakes his head, and the wings pop up a little bit more. <laughs> I love that suit. That's straight from. Uh, the Walt Simonson, Louise Simonson Thor run. Yeah. Uh, there was like a point in time where Thor 
for some reason he got like cursed and had like brittle bird bones because like comics happen and um <laughs> yeah thor had like these bird bones so he had to like armor up like really hard and I that sure was the armor did. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. and that was yeah, the I armor that he wore that. uh, travis and yeah like getting more erect yeah. possibly possibly like the hulk bits uh with the the uh not being able to get it up stuff you know mm-hmm. what i mean or yeah i mean like if it was like i feel you seeing natalie portman like in that <laughs> outfit like did something for me too and you know what's funny i got upset uh, a couple weeks ago and we, i don't know if we talked about it on the show but i talked to you about it how i saw some behind the scenes stuff of natalie portman with uh the little motion capture dots on her body yeah and was thinking like by the way, I don't know if her muscles were real or if they were CG'd. <laughs> Turns out that that stuff was used for the cancer scenes where she was kind of getting more and more oh, sick. And they, they made her thinner, not uh, yeah, yes. more sick yes. looking. Right yes. Instead of getting a uh, Romani woman to say thinner, they used the magic <laughs> of CGI. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> When are we uh, going to do our thinner spinoff podcast? Yeah. Like, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. Probably not soon. Probably not soon. Yeah, probably not ever. But someday. I, uh, I do want to point out that uh, Hemsworth has my least favorite line delivery in the movie. Can you guess what it is? Is it the Jane? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, do, do you think that's because we've thing. seen it so much in the trailers? Uh. No, because I didn't like it in the trailers either, and it's oh yeah, okay. So yeah, it was never good to me, and I kind of had hoped they went with an overt take with the actual movie the way they sometimes do. But sure, something being awful just I just isn't enough of a reason. <laughs> Having millions and millions of dollars yeah. and the ability to be like, can you just say that again one more time? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I kept thinking with jane's thor costume mm-hmm. was it looked a lot like dark world error thor and that was probably the last time jane had like really seen thor so maybe oh, that's yeah, the reason yeah. why it did that does that make sense i could see that yeah yeah where that's her last frame of reference for what thor looks like uh mm-hmm. i liked the way mjolnir works now that it's been shattered and oh it's cool yeah yeah just it's a nice way to differentiate between uh, when he's using it and when she's using it, pretty much. It's very cool. Um, and we were kind of talking about how there's a bit too much Taika in this Taika movie with Korg. <laughs> um, we get another little, like, let me tell you the story about Jane and Thor. Or I think this is where he calls her Jodie Foster. Um and it's all about how their relationship didn't work and it started off so well and things just kind of made sense. But then Thor got really busy saving the world and Jane got really busy also saving the world, but in a different way. And then one day she left him a handwritten note because he wasn't around and they broke off. And I was curious, where the hell did this happen in the timeline? I, I hate <laughs> I hate to sound like fellow podcast uh, host Kira here, but like the little nitpick of like, where did this happen? I was kind of like, we know it didn't happen between Dark World and Civil War and 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 uh, yeah. Age of Ultron because there was that whole acknowledgement. Make sure that Jane is safe in mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So it had to happen post Age of Ultron, but like 
then I'm thinking in my head, like post age of Ultron, that movie ends with Thor fucking going off world. Right. And being like, I have to track down the infinity stones. Mm -hmm. But then there were those shorts on the civil war, uh, home release, like DVDs and Blu-rays and digital copies with the team Thor. And like, what was Thor up to? And he was living in an apartment in Australia or New Zealand with a guy named Daryl. Right. Yeah. And I like those quite a bit, but I'm curious if she kicked him out and that's why he had to move into the apartment with Daryl. <laughs> that's where all this happened, right? Between Age of Ultron Civil War. Does that I make sense? I think it has to kind of be where it's at. And it could be thing like with Wanda and Vision uh, going off to be by themselves and not telling any of the other Avengers where they are. So Thor can't take place. I uh, can't take part of Civil War. Uh, Was helping Nick Fury throughout this entire process that that's been shown right yeah yeah well god yeah it does say that yeah but was that yeah. nick furry or was that a scroll and in spider-man uh far from home there's that part where they're like can't we call thor and he's like we can he's off world how did that nick fury know that thor was off world at that point you know what i mean because he was a scroll you know what i'm saying Communicating, yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's, know why either. It's probably best not to think about it too much. Yeah, it probably doesn't matter because it's a movie for children. <laughs> I did not like this fight sequence with the Black Berserker monsters very much until it was just Thor one on one with Gore. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the fight sequence on New Asgard? Uh, it wasn't anything too memorable. Like, I'm other than the way that Mjolnir splits apart, I can't recall a single bit of interesting choreography or whatever I had. It was just there. It wasn't bad. It was just, yeah. I think the way the monsters were lit, like this taking place in the darkness, didn't really help them out too much in terms of like creature design. Like later on in the movie, I think they look pretty cool and pretty gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in this sequence, it was just very dark. It was all um, like torch lit. Uh, in terms of lighting, and you couldn't really get a good glimpse of the creatures. And anytime you did, they just kind of felt very stale. It felt very like Tomorrow War. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like very like just generic kind of alien yeah. creature monster things. Um, but the sequence ends with uh, Thor finding out, one, that Gore has the Necro Sword, which he thought was pretty cool until it started to penetrate his neck. And then Gore disappearing. And abducting all the children of New Asgard and not being able to save them. And um, Gore basically, you know, taking off um, with the uh, the children of New Asgard. What do you think of this kind of um, the children were the MacGuffin of this? Uh, <laughs> of no, this no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you like that? aspect of it and think that was kind of like a cool way to propel the plot into motion it was acceptable i the children actually just weren't bad for what they were being asked to do and it's a way to get from point a to b <laughs> i agree yeah I yeah agree i'm too. not going to ever think it too much there uh, no um and then we kind of get new Asgard in crisis and they're having this like town hall meeting. I liked all of this there's quite a, a bit. Yeah. There's a funny bit of dialogue where two Asgardians are talking about what they should do. And 
Uh, one of them says, half our soldiers are dead, and then the other person responds, half of our soldiers are always dead. And <laughs> it's true, these Thor movies have been pretty hard on the Asgardians. They've been, uh, Asgard's been destroyed, then the Thanos snap happened. And that's after fucking Thanos brutally murdered most of the ones that were on the ship. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, yeah. It's really and, and we get the good payoff with um, Matt Damon and Liam Hemsworth as the stage actors where they go up to Valkyrie and they're like, my my king, uh, don't you think that it would be a good time to put on a performance to, mm-hmm. you know, calm everyone down? And she just walks away. He's like, I didn't hear no. And they're walking out and they're like, exterior, Asgard, night. It starts with, and I was like, that's a very uh, theater kid thing to do, and I and I dug that. All you need is Matt Damon in a turtleneck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It's it, it's totally fine. Um, and and fucking Korg standing next to Thor while they're both checking out Jane, and he's like, the ex girlfriend Jodie Fonda does the bit again, and he's mm-hmm. like, must be tough seeing your ex girlfriend and your ex hammer getting along so well after all these years, and him trying to do the like come to daddy, and mm-hmm. like you get a. Uh, What's it called? Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker creeping yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That part was good. The bit later on where Stormbreaker creeps into frame again landed a bit better for me, just for the way he creeps up, I guess. The uh just Stormbreaker is one of the good gags throughout the movie for me. I mentioned before that I liked about twenty percent of the humor, like as being genuinely funny to me. The rest is fine mostly. But yeah, I think some of the humor from Portman falls very flat in this film, um, unfortunately, because I think she's a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's like Long Island girl pride as well. I'm like a huge fan of Natalie Portman. But unfortunately, like I don't think her human her humor lands <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. Like there's a sequence where Thor does this kind of rousing speech and then like bust out of the, of the like town hall and his Bifrost is broken and, and realizes it's cause like Stormbreaker is jealous and like kind of janky mm-hmm. and Valkyrie kicks them all out. And, um, you know, Natalie Portman's got this line where it's like, well, if it's the shadow realm they're in, then it's time for them to taste the rainbow. And I was like, I know you're it's trying to be funny. Yeah. 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 The catchphrase gag they do repeatedly is never funny, and it's never, it's supposed to be intentionally bad and funny that way, and it's just not really. At all. Like, at all. And then at the end, like, when she finally, like, gets her good catchphrase, like, I know they couldn't think of something that would actually work, so they just have her whisper. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's because you couldn't figure this out, huh? Yeah, Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, definitely the case. Yeah. So the actor playing Heimdall's son, you mentioned the children actors being pretty good. Uh, turns out that kid's not from Stranger Things. I was curious. Anytime I see a child actor, I was like, is that the kid from Stranger Things? The yeah, show yeah. I don't watch. And someone's like, no, that's not the kid from Stranger Things. You know, um, but Heimdall's son um, going by the name Axel, because we have to throw more and more guns. Again, they got the package deal where they could use Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, I... I guess it's possible that a kid would like Axel Rose and Guns N' Roses, but. You sound like a boomer, Travis. <laughs> like, kids these days don't listen to Guns N' Roses. 
They just wore Guns N' Roses t-shirts because they saw it on Ticket Attack. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So Thor is able to communicate with Axel because yeah, Axel has... CGI. Yes, yes. Yeah, dude, that head floating was some dodgy-ass CGI. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, really bad. They should have done and- that cheaper and better looking practically. Zordon from Power Rangers is a better looking floating head effect. Zordon from Power Rangers is a great looking practical floaty head effect. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, but he is able to utilize these powers. So Thor could communicate with them and, and he deduces that they're in the shadow realm because he knows what the shadow realm smells like or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Something like that. Uh, Yeah. And as I mentioned before, they're trapped in this miserable world uh, that's completely desaturated and lacking of all color, um, much like a Zack Snyder movie. But um, <laughs> I like the introduction of the Shadow Realm. I've read a lot of those old um, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, like Strange Tales. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow Realm is from, I think, Strange Tales checking my notes 79 uh and it's filled with like uh spooky snakes called the ka and i really dig that i think that's some fun thor lore to bring in i also like the team kid in the cage bit i i think all of thor's interaction with these children is pretty good and it starts off awkward and gets nicer and nicer and it inevitably leads to the conclusion of the film and the wrapping up thor's arc for the movie which is like learning to be a dad which i think is kind of effective um so they have to get to the shadow realm but they know that you know this guy is a you know hell-bent kind of martyr trying to kill all the gods who is able to make spooky shadow monsters so it's probably going to be a trap so their plan is to go to a place called omnipotent city raise an army of gods people who will actually want to fight someone who's trying to actively kill them so they can recruit this army before going to the shadow realm but the problem is the Bifrost is acting really janky because Stormbreaker's broken. So Jane Foster says, like, why don't we just use Stormbreaker as like a conduit, almost like an engine on a ship so we can kind of like control its energy. And this mm-hmm. gets them on top of um, this Asgardian boat. The tour called... guide boat. The tour guide yeah, boat. Yeah, the yeah. tourist friendly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I noticed the... Uh, fun kind of easter egg too there's a sign on the um on the boat mm-hmm. where valkyrie throws a keg inside it says cocktails and dreams uh that's the name of the bar from the movie cocktails uh starring tommy cruise okay okay uh yeah I'll really Ter- that. terrible terrible fucking movie <laughs> i know it's uh fellow uh, co-host Kira really likes that movie and I make fun of her all the time. I do not understand and I love Tom Cruise and I, I think that movie is absolutely trash. I like the uh, and we'll return with children and then we'll feast but not on the children because those were some dark times. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. I'm interested in that uh, that story. I would like to see a flashback. Korg narrate a flashback to the time that... that uh, eating children. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, now we've had uh, Chris Evans eat children in that movie, uh, the Bong Joon-ho movie. Fuck. Uh, Snowpiercer. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Yep. And, and now we've had, uh, we have we know it's in canon that Thor has eaten children as well. Um, 
you mentioned the bit where jealous Stormbreaker kind of comes into frame. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that Taika Waititi or some stagehand is just underneath this thing, like creeping into frame, like, you know, like pointing it in their face, like how they did that effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I would like to to think or like they just have it on like a skateboard and they're like wheeling it in, you know? It would I think be nice, be... but I'm sure it's probably just CGI. <sighs> It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, so have we ever heard a mention of Omnipotent City? It's been driving me nuts. Did they mention it, is... it at all in Moon Knight? Oh, no, no. Are uh, you sure? I, I'm pretty sure. It is something from the comics, but yeah, there's no mention of it in Moon Knight. They do kind of mention the different afterlives, so I guess there is... There's been no mention of it before in the Thor movies either, and that's dealing with the gods too. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you think of the omnipotent city like design? I like it fine. I'm gonna be biased because this is the part of the movie where it picked up for me because it's basically a Star Wars cantina scene with all these fucking goofy looking gods that are probably yeah. real gods mostly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. This the sequence when they're like going into like the God Council and they're like, "Oh look, it's it's Ra," and it's like, "Oh look, and that's the guard, uh, the God of the Carpenters," and and Natalie Portman being like, "Oh, you think that was Jesus?" Yes, one hundred percent. They don't show it to us, but it's got to be Jesus, and they can't show God. it to us because it would offend people. <laughs> <laughs> just perpetually bleeding like holy oh, ass oh. yeah i wasn't gonna go that dark you got it better mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> rose up a grape and like just pops it through his hand yeah um yep. uh do you think jesus participates at the orgies uh no no i think he's faithful to mary magdalene right oh my god you don't think he's a top or a bottom or just holds his hands out and lets people uh? just go to town um, oh my um, god my thought was he uses them as glory holes kind of. that's what I was thinking too yeah, yeah he, he he's like don't worry I'll, I'll cover my eyes with the other one and like a hand eyes. job and uh, a glory hole at the same time yeah. <laughs> it's like no peeking he puts his hands over his eyes and you just see through it oh, um, and there goes our Chris, Christian listenership <laughs> Oh, we started the episode off with yeah, a yeah. Uh, communist manifesto bit, uh, so I, I I have a feeling everybody is gone by this point, my friend. Um, <laughs> and then you know they all sit down to to this God Council uh, in preparation to hear from Zeus and warn Zeus of Gore, you know, asking for an army to help them. So we knew that Russell Crowe was going to be portraying Zeus. And any time that I've ever seen Greek gods or a pantheon of gods in a film, including the Thor movies, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking like Clash of the Titans and stuff, they always have like stuffy British accents, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love Zeus in this movie, <laughs> and I love how he sounds like the mean dude with all the arm hair who works at my local diner. Um, <laughs> it's hearing... Zeus with this thick Greek accent was kind of incredible. And then like turning him into a joke with the, uh, so let's talk about the, the important, I'm going to do a bad Greek accent. The important matters, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's fucking house of Gucci with 
with Greek mythology it, it's here. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I mentioned earlier, this is my second favorite performance. And <laughs> I know he's just doing a silly accent, but it's so fucking funny. And little sachet he does at one point as he's coming down. It, it is gold. And it's I, so I good. expected Russell Crowe to be good in the role, but not. I didn't expect him to be silly for some reason. I don't know why I. <laughs> I should have known, should have known, but yeah. I think it took us. It took us all back a lot with how silly it was because all we saw from the trailers was like him flexing and Mm -hmm. holding the thunderbolt out. Like he was an absolute hornbag in this fucking movie. You know what I mean? Um, Also, we forgot to mention the uh, dumpling god Bao, who I really yes, yes, that was great. I'm sure that's one of the made up ones, probably. Right? Surely. I I think so. So there's a Pixar. He, he did look like the dumpling emoji. Um, <laughs> and he goes, bow, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it's too. like a Pokemon. They say their names. That's they say their names. Their names yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, there's a Disney Pixar short called Bow that's like oh. 10 minutes long. It's it's very heartbreaking and touching. It's like kind of a grown man cry. Like, you know, when people mm-hmm. are like, I love up. It makes grown ups cry. Yeah. Bow is like one of those 10 minute Pixar shorts that I'll makes grown men cry. Very cute. And there's also uh, the Kraglin God who says like, oh, nunny, nunny, which I thought was... <laughs> just silly nonsense. It was gold. Yeah, that it was, was gold. Definitely. This is where the movie picked up big time for me. Also, the Cronin God was sitting on a chair made of scissors. Uh, Rock, with paper, uh, scissors? Some, yeah, that's paper. what I was... Yep, yeah, that's I didn't what put I, it together until you just mentioned it. I noticed the scissors, but I didn't do the computations. <laughs> I didn't do my math. Yeah. Adds up. Adds up. Rock, paper, yeah. scissors. Um, so when when Zeus calls Thor out and makes him get up on the stage, um, there's been a lot of kerfuffle over Hemsworth uh, being nude and this mm-hmm. being the first butt in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a lie, a blatant fucking lie. And we should remember yeah. how st- just the last movie. Stellan oh. Skarsgård showed his butt in Thor: The Dark World, my friend. <laughs> That's true. That's true. As uh, Stellan Skarsgård is known to do, uh, he loves <laughs> to get naked in movies. He's very proud, proud of it. Um, I also kind of appreciated. So, like when they flicked all of Thor's clothes off, all the women around Zeus like fainted. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the men behind Zeus all like buckled up, and they're like, Whoa. "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Did you feel it was a double standard? Uh, and this is basically like a mythological, uh, what was it, the fattening or whatever? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where it's just a, yeah, yeah. The our female uh, characters are very amused and enjoying the thing, but yeah, mm-hmm. this, he basically got his his phone hacked or whatever. <laughs> But I mean, if you look like Chris Hemsworth does in this, like I'm very impressed they, with uh, Hemsworth's build. Yeah, yeah, they did also clarify that he was fine with it. <laughs> he, they do. He says, "No, I was totally fine with it." Were you fine with that, Korg? Korg was very fine with it too. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> yes. um, the uh, the naked bits. Yes, we're at the naked bits. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the tattoos. Just, yes. And the tattoos. Yes, he's got a uh, Loki rest in mischief or something like that. I couldn't really make out what it read. Yeah, but it I didn't think it's too quick for me to make them all out. That was the classiest one, probably. The rest looked just fucking awful. Very tacky stuff. That Yeah, Yeah, Ben Affleck uh, fucking Phoenix tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I want to know what Scarlett Johansson's tummy tattoos look like. Have you ever seen? No, I, uh, I didn't know she had any. I didn't know either. And then the last time Marvel was at San Diego Comic-Con, she had this like outfit on where it was like, like kind of see-through underneath her bosoms and right above her torso. And you could see like these like cool tattoos, like kind of wrapping around like her torso and her Mm -hmm. body. And I'm just like, God, what does Scarlett Johansson look like naked these days? You know, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Under the skin. Uh, Under the skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I greatly appreciated. Uh, I also greatly appreciate that movie. I think Jonathan Glazer is like, when is he going to make another movie? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's been so fucking long. He made like Sexy Beast and Under the Skin. And then it's just like, it's I like a decade. I didn't really the same. Yeah, I did both there. Uh, yeah, I like both of those movies. I would have never guessed it was the same person. Yeah, it's crazy. And him much like spike jones is one of those filmmakers who like subconsciously um like showed me like what i thought cool was like as like a little kid like spike jones like you know he did the fucking the beastie boys videos where i was like that is cool like i'm into that Mm -hmm. but jonathan glazer also did um karma police the music video as well as jamiroquai's virtual insanity oh yeah Um, that's a very memorable video uh, regardless of whether you like the song or not, that's cool video. You don't like Jamiroquai's music? I I didn't like it at the time. I haven't heard it in ages. I don't remember how it goes. Uh, oh, they're one of my all time favorite bands, Travis. I and I'm like not being like oh, I know. I, 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 or I, ironic. I know you're a yeah. fan of them. I guess I'm a big fan of Jamiroquai. I like well produced pop and disco music like that just is like uh, it's right on the money and jamiroquai is just like one of those like great funk bands and that's a fucking memorable video jonathan glazer did that and then he reached out like spike jones jonathan glazer michelle gondry those were like kind of like the big music video guys even like fincher right like didn't he used to make like a bunch of music I'm not videos? Sure on that. Uh, i think he made like a I bunch say, of like r- rat and poison videos i was just gonna say yeah MTV stopped playing videos right around the same time that I started like paying attention to who directed stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh F. Gary Gray, director of uh The Fate and the Fur Fate of the Furious. I'm sorry. I know he directed a bunch of music videos as well. Um Yeah. So Thor's please go nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um Zeus is totally unconvinced that Gore is a threat to Omnipotent City, and Zeus has Thor captured, um, forcing the others to kind of intervene and uh, fend off Zeus's men. And in the scuffle, Zeus uses his thunderbolt to destroy Korg's body. And this is where we find out that the only part of a Cronin um, that's actually alive is his mouth or his face or something along yes, those lines. Yes, some, something like that. They say his mouth, but I do think it's his entire face. Uh, yeah, so much of this, the remainder of this film, Korg is just a little face, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it might have just been a way for them to not have to have Taika like, on set in that crazy outfit while directing at the same time. That could it, be. Also, I saw one of those like GQ, you know, they do like the the dissection of the shot. Have you ever seen those videos where no, like a, 
oh, they're neat. Like a filmmaker like stands over a table, almost like a football play by play with like a like glass, Just... like John Madden. Yeah. And they have yeah. a Sharpie and they're like, choo, 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 and they like show you like the breakdown analysis of a scene. Uh, there's a great one with Cronenberg and um, Leia Sordu and Viggo Mordstein doing something from Crimes of the Future. And I kind of like learned that some of that shit was done practically recently. Mm. Uh, but it is, there was one with, um, Taika and Tessa Thompson recently. I think it actually just came out today or yesterday, but it's the sequence of all the sequences. It's the one where they're like bickering a new Asgard. They're like, let's bring the rainbow. It's that sequence. Mm -hmm. And, um, Tessa's like, so how do you feel about how Korg looks here? And 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 Tyga's like, what do you mean? It's like, because it looks so fake and you're not even there. Like it's just he's just a completely <laughs> CGI'd yeah. creation in a lot of this, as opposed to the first film where it was mostly motion capture of Taika, where he's like got a like a, a hockey stick with the head like Yeah, yeah, like a picture of the face. Yeah, on his back and, and like, you know, the motion capture suit is like taking pictures of his face, but it's like four feet below where his head is. So it could look like this big ass thing. Um, so I'd imagine like he was just kind of sick of wearing this mocap suit. So they just <laughs> kind of made it a face for the rest of the movie. Um, I was surprised that nobody wore like a mask, though. Yeah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity and turned into Jim Carrey. Um, <laughs> who wore the mask of Loki? Wasn't that Loki's mask? It was indeed. It all comes mm-hmm. together. It does. I've seen Son of the Mask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know about the Son of a Mask uh, um, director's cut? Where no. it? Oh my God! It shows this character. Oh, it doesn't show. There's a sex scene, right? And this is where the Son of the Mask comes from, and. Instead of having like a train, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, the clip to like a train going through or like waves flashing. Instead, it shows little sperm with mask faces, like acting like the three stooges through a woman's fallopian tubes, all trying to poke at this egg. And that's a part of this movie. Wow. Out of six infinity stones. <laughs> I give it a 1.5. Um, not well, a big fan of that. I do yeah, not like Jamie uh, Kennedy. I've heard that it's not good. Oh, it's one of the worst of all yeah. time. But it was very, very bizarre. Um, so, yeah, really pissed off by this. Thor uses Thunderbolt, the name of uh, Zeus's lightning bolt, to impale Zeus through the chest. Um, I do have to one thing. Zeus sure. actually does believe Thor. He just waits to get to release very close and... Uh, mentions eternity, which sends us on our next quest. Uh, that is true. Yeah, he mentions how he'll never reach the heart of the universe where eternity is because he doesn't have the key. Yes. And he says that really yes, quick. And he'll never see the living tribunal. Travis Dusty is what he says. <laughs> exactly. I, every time I see a living tribunal like yeah. Easter egg, I was like, poor Travis. He's never going to go. us at some point. Uh <sighs> Hopefully they will. I mean, again, the notion of eternity, like the fanboy neckbeard in me, like starts vigorously masturbating because that's the kind of shit that like I really, really dig from Marvel Comics. You yeah, know what I, I mean? I'm talking of things. I want to see some of the, the more abstract concept beings. Uh, and we get a little, we get that in this movie and everything, but it's, uh, it's just kind of an object. <laughs> It still yeah, looks. Cool. 
Yeah. It looked really cool. And like just the introduction of these these cosmic beings mm-hmm. has been really cool. Like baby steps. Who, the Guardians of the Universe or whatever in Loki, remember the Space Muppets? The last time we saw Space Muppets. <laughs> Those yeah. things were fucking cool. Um, but Eternity's this like cosmic being, right? Like he's the embodiment okay. of this reality, pretty much. Uh, that's it. That's yeah. it. But he's up there with um the Living Tribunal or yeah. The in between or Master Chaos and Lord Order, or I may have thought that, but yeah, there's a bunch of these fucking things, and they're yeah, in my yeah, they're, uh, and and they're slowly incorporating those concepts into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, mm-hmm. to mixed effects. I mean, we all saw Eternals, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I guess we should mention before we leave Omnipotent City that there were a couple of celestials there, so I don't know if. They're just another god in this universe. I mean, they create people and people worship them, so I guess they would technically be considered gods, right? And like, yeah, so they kill Zeus. Um, Tessa Thompson uses Korg, like, basically, like, ties him up and gives him a little mustache with her dreads, which I thought was really cool. He whistles for the goats, it calls the ship and Stormbreaker in with the Bifrost. And um, I, I should mention before departing, because we've all heard in, in the news and all the interviews with Taika, how this is a real deal queer masterpiece. <laughs> um, before departing, Tessa Thompson gives a little smooch on the hand to one of the fair maidens. Um, yeah. Which wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough for me. Yeah, it really isn't. Uh- no. Tongue that maiden tessa thompson you know what i mean mm-hmm. like grab her thor gave that blue lady yes, a big I old smooch to, i was just thinking of that that's what that should have been for yep one to go on you know just yeah just <laughs> like come here boom like hail to the king baby and just like <laughs> get it on for a split second but i did kind of like the that's a very masculine thing to do you know mm-hmm. what i mean traditionally kind of chivalrous act i i thought it was cool but it's like oh, it was just like not enough well they you know what I mean? king thor not queen thor so isn't that enough you will never be pleased <sighs> i will never be pleased <laughs> uh, i'll never get pleased until i see her bump donuts with another fair maiden on this uh huh? in the next thor adventure um yeah so they are now on their way to the shadow realm. They have not raised an army, but they have um, gotten this, this new weapon, right? That that's going to be enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a quick glimpse because we see Thor keeping the kids up to date, the team kid in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. He's giving them a little pep talk. He is future child army. Yes. Yes. I, I, I do like how Tessa Thompson's tickling him as, as he's giving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a pretty good gore scene when Thor vanishes away and the kids are all like, Thor's on his way and mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. And then <laughs> fucking gore is just basically like, oh, isn't this delightful? And Christian Bale sits there and puts on a clinic and he's yeah, like, oh, you like how he fucking cut off fucking Thanos's head. And and you see him like take out this little like snake puppet and cut its head off and everyone screams in terror. Mm-hmm. And he's like, All right, fine, I'll get rid of it. And he throws it and it like lands on one kid's lap and they, they just keep like accidentally throwing it amongst each other. 
Fantastic. Yeah. It's kind of Fantastic. my favorite gore scene. <laughs> uh, other than like the character stuff. Well, I guess it is character stuff, but I like the opening oh, yeah. and I like this, uh, where he's being a, mo- a movie monster, pretty much. He's being a movie monster. children, yes. It's wonderful. And I mean, we, we kept doing the... Uh, the Uncle Fester also. impression too. Yeah. Uh, before it came out, and he he is kind of Uncle Festery here, and it it it, it rips. It, it's very fun. It's very fun. Um, makes me wish Christian Bale was in Rob Zombie's The Monsters <laughs> reboot. Uh, you have any hope for that at all? None. I was. I uh, did you see the trailer where it, I did. It doesn't look good. Like, no. Like it's it's not edgy in the slightest so that's good i guess but it's also not funny at all uh, not what they showed at least if if he's just going to do an hour and a half episode of the monsters i guess it's better than what it could be like you know <laughs> yeah. yeah aka a rob zombie movie but um it's a bummer because like rob Zombie's one of those guys uh much like eli roth or even tarantino who like I like listening to him talk about movies quite a bit. Yeah, more than making them. Yes, absolutely. And the his worst intentions come out in his filmmaking, and especially in like his stories. Like you know, <laughs> like he likes like the hillbilly freak stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I could see him being a big fan of like Hills Have Eyes or something like Last House on the Left or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. But then he just goes like way too hard with that. Like there's no one there to rein him in on it, you know, um, kind of like um, like I like Cannibal Holocaust for what it is. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Green Inferno, Travis? Uh, yes, I was very tempted to walk out of the theater very early on because one of the actresses was just the fucking worst. The worst. <laughs> yeah. The worst. And she doesn't. And that's a- like, I was torn because. It's one of the characters that doesn't go on the trip, so she survives the movie. And it is a character I would like to see slaughtered because of how terrible they were, but I wouldn't want to see him for that length of time in the movie. I wouldn't have been yeah. able to handle it. No, no. I might have walked out of that movie and then watched it later on. DVD, probably a standard definition Netflix. Uh, I should mention, I don't walk out of movies. Uh, but I was you very, run? very tempted. Pearl? <laughs> Storm? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Uh, I told you the first time I ever walked out of a movie was uh, X3 The Last Stand. No, you didn't. You did not. Yeah. Huh? Kind of famously, I have a friend who brings it up pretty often um, <laughs> whenever he, you know, a friend from high school who I'm still really close with. And, you know, he'll come over and spend the weekend when he's back on Long Island. And, you know, he'll walk into my bedroom and just be like, oh, you still like comic books? You know, there's like a giant Jack Kirby art and shit on the wall. I was like, yeah, yeah I still like comic books. And he'll be like, remember when they killed Cyclops and you got so mad you threw a fit? <laughs> I was wondering what the breaking point was. I could see that. I was so mad because like I'm kind of a Cyclops guy. Like I, uh, I like I Cyclops. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think that he made the right decision? You know, James Marsden going to do Superman instead of uh, staying on for Cyclops. And I think Superman Returns is a better movie than X Men: The Last Stand. I, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you about Superman Returns, but. I like that movie. I, I bet. I figured. I figured. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just Superman saving a bunch of people. and <laughs> mm-hmm. It goes on a little too long. Like, that's one of my problems with it. One of the things I like about those Donner movies is, well, 
Donner movie and then Superman too. I, mm-hmm. I like both those movies quite a bit, but they're both like in tone of, you know, the, I call them the Donner movies because they both have very similar tones. Yeah. I think the pacing of those films works really well where it's like, now we're here, now we're here, now we're here. Superman is what he is and here it is, you know, and mm-hmm. it's very quick and it's over and it's so easy to digest as opposed to Superman Returns, which gets the tone right. I like all of the casting, fucking um, sex offender Kevin Spacey makes a great Lex Luthor, sex (laughs) offender Brian Singer. He's an okay director. Um, I think they were going for the right thing. I think it dragged on a little bit too long. Uh, I appreciate that it exists because it's like, you know, in the right climate, I think that movie would have done well. Unfortunately, I think it came out at a time where everyone wanted leather x-men you know what they i mean the schneider films. yeah they wanted the schneider films which is a bummer um and i think the, the main um plot of that film one it's like superman had broken off with lois lane and he's like stalking her and her children which is like a little weird i don't know if you've ever seen this it's and still not as weird as pa kent's fucking <laughs> still better than pa kent yeah. you know it's still better than pa he's just worried about his kid that's mm-hmm Shout out to uh, my friends Gabby and Jackie, who I saw Thor 2 with yesterday. And when we popped into Androids uh, beforehand, uh, and I was talking to James about Superman, um, and they're like, it's crazy that Warner Brothers, like, has all the rights to their characters. And I was like, isn't it crazy? And they still can't make a good fucking Superman movie. And all of a sudden two friends who were like, are not my comic book friends find me in a comic book store. And like, you know, they pull out the little podium for me to like stand up and tell everyone like how this is such a fucking travesty. I was like, isn't it crazy that they can't fucking get this right. And it's been like almost 10 years since man of steel. That movie was what? Like 2013. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. And it's a bummer it's a bummer how many batman have we had since 2013 you know what i mean we've gotten michael keaton back (laughs) maybe 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 maybe. if if the rumors that there is a flash movie are to be believed (laughs) uh we've had ben affleck in multiple films we've had fucking uh sad boy pattinson crush it like yeah and will or next no oh yeah lego batman counts i think yeah that's the release and that movie nails Robin in a way that no other theatrical film ever has. And it like shows why Robin is cool and why Robin is important and why I think they need to make a child Robin in the next Pattinson movie, despite the stigma. Dude, because at the end of the day, right, um, Batman is on this quest to make himself happy by redeeming the the wrongs in the world that led to his parents' death, right? Mm-hmm. Robin, Dick Grayson, all of them pretty much are on a very similar quest where they want to right the wrongs that led to their parents' death inevitably to make themselves happy. It never worked for Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was never able to find the peace or you know, the inner harmony mm-hmm. um, that that he was in search of. But it did work for Robin. You know what I mean? Robin, at the end of the day, is like Batman's biggest success story. It's like, this is what I actually wanted. I wasn't able to give it to myself, mm-hmm. but I was able to train this child soldier. So inevitably, <laughs> so inevitably he could grow up. 
to have like a better life than I did, you know? Um, And I think that's really cool, like, and sweet, you know, and the Lego Batman movie like does that really well, you know? And it's like, no, like you're my dad. I'm going to accept you as my father. And everything you taught me was a success, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that and make Batman a little horny in the next one. And I'll be a happy <laughs> boy. Speaking of horny, my friend, I was mentioning to you offline how I have not seen a character in a Marvel movie horny since maybe the first Iron Man. Would you agree? Can you think of any notable exceptions? Uh, yeah, that that's about it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if some, I don't know, like Age of Ultron, the, the Black Widow Hulk stuff, I guess, but. Oh yeah. That's kind yeah, of horny. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yep. But. As Thor and Jane are outside having their discussion, we get a quick glimpse of Korg, or the face of Korg, uh, singing some, like, basically, like, it, fuck rock anthem. It sounded familiar, but yeah, I didn't, it was something, I thought it was like a Weird Al thing almost, where they just, it's a real song, they just change the lyrics to be Korg specific. Uh, yeah. He's like, gonna hold hands on fire and make some babies and get it real hot and hard. And I was like, okay, like Korg is being horny. Yeah. And then and then Valkyrie's looking at him, like chewing on a cherry, basically being like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I dig this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for a minute and a half in a Marvel Cinematic Universe, we got to see two characters talk and genuinely feel like, I wish I was fucking right now, you know, like, (laughs) and I am disappointed with the lack of queerness in this film Mm -hmm. because again, I wouldn't have been because of the way they advertise and, and, and all of the characters were like marketing it. I saw like at the red carpet, like someone screamed out like, Taika, how gay is this movie? And, and he's like, Oh, it's so gay. And I was like, Oh my God, if this movie is what I expect, what Mm -hmm. they keep saying it is like I excited. Unfortunately it kind of fell flat on that part, but at least we got some horny aspects here. And this is where we find out that Korg, um, Korg comes from two daddies. Mm -hmm. He he has two daddies and they make love by holding hands over lava fire. And when they take their hands off like a week later, there's a baby. Yeah. Um, I think it's an old male species. Uh, Oh, possibly. Yeah. Oh, nanny, nanny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then Valkyrie basically like lamenting over how she lost her lover in battle, you know? Was it Um, from driving with a a, uh, a hammer that just had a little too much and then uh, crashes into a planet? (laughs) Possibly. I mean, that's kind of what happens inevitably. I before we get to the, yeah, yeah. the drunken stormbreaker crashing into the planet, we get the uh the Thor Jane bit and and we get space dolphins that look straight out of like a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. Um <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is. Yeah. It's it, like, bullshitting about uh the entire the, the dolphins in general. I'm going to say he said something about how they mate for life in a pack of six after he counts them or whatnot. Uh, Yeah. He's like, yeah, they choose a mate and they stick with them for life. All six of them or whatever that one is. Mm -hmm. 
And this is where Jane confesses that she has cancer. The hammer is killing her. And Thor basically um, says he loves her by Chekhov's I feel shitty line in the beginning, um, which didn't land very well for me, unfortunately. The, the Star-Lord payoff. The Star-Lord yeah, yeah, payoff. Yeah, yeah. Star-Lord uh, payoff didn't for me, but on second watch, Thor's reaction to Jane's admission really did for some reason. I, uh, I think that's the power of two good actors. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, being yeah. Being good. Yeah, it, it, I get a little teary. I, I admit, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got caught crying at the end of this movie yesterday by my two friends. Oh. Uh, yeah. They're like, are you crying? I was like, no. No. <laughs> you know what, what are you, mean? a teardrop expert? Uh, specialist? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah. Shouldn't have brought my teardrop specialist. To, shouldn't have brought my eye doctor to the theaters with yeah. me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's Stormbreaker, who, who might have had a little bit too much to drink. Um just straight up crashes into into the shadow realm. They enter the shadow realm and it's the, you know, the black and white mm-hmm. sepia crosses over them. And there's this like little moon planet that looked straight up. It like made me think of Dragon Ball Z, the grand Kai's planet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was going to say like Super Mario. He's able to run completely around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking uh, one. It looked like the like Lumiere brothers, like Man on the Moon. I think that's who did that kind of thing, like like a paper cutout kind of. Um, oh okay, yeah, yeah. And you know, like the the what nineteen twenty movie, or whatever. Yeah, I think even earlier than that. Yeah, man. yeah. I think that was like nineteen oh nine. Okay, you know? okay, yeah, it's quite possible. I knew it was super early. That's yeah. Cool. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very cool, and and like the it, it kind of just had the same tone looking, you know. Maybe also know it from the Smashing Pumpkins video, but yeah, <laughs> mostly know it from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, the uh, Super Mario Galaxy. Did you ever play Super Mario I Galaxy? Did not. My brother keeps uh, trying to sell me on that one, but I'm not a big Mario fan. I wasn't, but I have been married and I would have to find video games that I could play with my significant other. So I would like pick up Zelda or Super Mario Galaxy for a Wii and just be like, hey, we could both play this game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Smoke a bunch of weed and do time runs on Turtles in Time. That was our big thing where um, pre-YouTube, we would videotape ourselves because we were so good at Turtles in Time, that side scroller, where we would just like smoke a bunch of weed and then just like we could crush that game in like 22 <laughs> minutes like like literally I, like 20 minutes i, I gotta say it all it's probably, but the new teenage mutant ninja turtles game is pretty good pretty it good. rips my friend yeah, shredder's revenge yes, rips yes well worth checking out it's a little short maybe wait for it to be on sale but it's a very very good game if you have nostalgia for Streets of Rage and Ninja Turtles and mm-hmm. side-scrolling arcade games of our past, I highly recommend picking up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge. It's very fun. It's very fun. And one of those channels like on YouTube I like is called like Triple Jump. They like got mm-hmm. to do it like kind of early and I've known about it for a little while. And I was like, oh, this looks fucking neat. Because I like Turtles in Time. That's my favorite Ninja Turtles game. I I never did play that one. I played the arcade game a lot. Uh, yeah, man. 
the arcade uh, Turtles game and the arcade Simpsons game. Did you ever fuck with that? No, I I didn't know about the Simpsons game until I was an adult. Like ten it, years ago or something. Yeah. Oh, it rips. They had it at my uh I, I play ice hockey and um to this day they still have it at my ice hockey uh rink. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't know how this machine has lasted that long, but they just have like never gotten rid of it. It's probably been sitting in this random um skate park since fucking nineteen ninety two and it's just been sitting there next to like mk3 you know what i mean um and that game fucking is very very fun all those side scroller arcade games are fun and this new turtles with the you know the 4k graphics but it's still um it's still uh what do they call those things stems what do they call those cells mm-hmm. shades what do they call them fuck sprites I, they call yeah, them yeah, sprites. sprites yeah yeah they call them sprites yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a lot like the old arcade game <laughs> are you excited for street fighter 6 I haven't played no, no. I I can't get into the one on one uh fighting game part except for like Mortal Kombat eleven. But that's yeah part of just the dress up portion. I, I don't Yeah 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 because <laughs> you like playing as John Rambo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. The Terminator. Is Spawn in Mortal Kombat yet? Uh he's been in one of them. I He's gotta be, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not the most recent one, one of the earlier ones, I think. Yeah, slamming a Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah, they get to this planet, attempt to locate the children, realize that they have fallen for a trap, and Gore intends to take Stormbreaker and utilize, like, the Bifrost Bridge, because that is the key to accessing Eternity, where he can then wish for the extinction of all the gods, right? And they can't find Thor, uh, Gore originally. Um, and then he like pops out and he has them trapped and he gets them trapped in a bunch of tentacles. <laughs> you he mentioned turns into a, it turns into a Wonder Woman comic for just a slight bit. Uh, yeah. In like the best way possible. Like what if Wonder Woman had hentai? You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, you mentioned before that the intro sequence with Gore and that sequence with the kids and him cutting off the head were your favorite of the Christian Bale performances. This by far was just for me, it was just Christian Bale putting on a clinic for about five minutes straight, mm-hmm. going from Thor trying to get him to summon the hammer, call the axe, he kept saying. Then to Valkyrie and his like kind of being like, Are you a Valkyrie shit? That was amazing. And him just basically like saying the character motivations to each of them as he went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He's like, see, the gods fell. You, you know, what did they get you? Like all your people died, blah, blah, blah. And Valkyrie, what did they get you? Like your lovers died and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And and Jane, you're the same as me, right? We both have this mighty weapon that, yeah, we're dying. Um, Christian Bale just fucking put on a clinic here. Yeah, I guess and- we should... At least admit there's a little bit of Joker in some of his gore, not all of it. Just like there's an occasional moment where it sounds a bit like he's a Joker. Not there's a cackle saying, Yeah, yeah. There's there's a moment. Well, I'll admit that. So great. <laughs> it ripped so hard, and and as I was watching it, I kept thinking like. 
I bet on the set of Dark Knight, he saw how much fun it was to do that and not just sit there in a suit like Bruce Wayne and be like, where's Lau? You know what I mean? And, and, and <laughs> In the worst sequence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Lyle? That's my favorite part of that movie. Oh, I'm a war and hockey pants. That's my other favorite part of that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he must have just been like, oh, that was fun. I, I've seen someone do this before, you know? Mm-hmm. Christian Bale admitting recently this week that he's never seen a fucking Marvel movie before. And his exact <laughs> quote was... I think he saw Infinity War. His quote was, I saw one of those films where there was a big bloke looking for stones. So that could be a couple post-credit scenes. Could be. Could be. Could have been just the trailer and he got mixed up with the whole movie. Yeah. (laughs) So this is where I'm going to sound snobby. And this is Chekhov's uh, German expressionism, as you mentioned before. Uh, The start of this podcast, uh, you know, the dawn of time about two hours ago. Um, <laughs> I mentioned how a lot of this um, had a kind of gothic horror tone to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And this fight sequence on this small circular planet, as these creatures were rising out of it with the black and white tone, they looked like Ray Harryhausen clay monsters. Um, they had these odd angular kind mm-hmm. of sharp shapes to them. It would be very hard not to bring up like as like a quote unquote, like cinephile, like films, like from German expression, silent era, like Nosferatu vampire, these kind of black and white, um, really like sharp, heightened surreal reality kind of things uh i know tim burton is super influenced by those like for people who don't know what the fuck i'm talking about like think about nightmare before christmas on crack made in like the 1920s or or some of the sequences in batman returns or something like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and i found out today that all of this was lit practically and shot on a black and white camera and Taika Waititi is friends with a company by the name of Satellite Labs who created this technology called plate lighting, which is this patented system that's able to provide kind of like almost like um, it's multiple lighting setups simultaneously all on the same camera. So you're able to get essentially every single lighting setup that you can imagine from every single angle that you could possibly imagine. And they're all recorded as separate footage of the same live action with like little to no time offset. Mm -hmm. And this actually works with like moving cameras. So you can take all of these setups and then when you put them down into 24 frames per second, change the lighting setup mid shot. So instead of rotating a light source to make it look like it's moving around this little tiny circular object or move the camera to do so, you can all do that in camera. So like these shadow figures, as they like crawl up, you see it like, you know, the shadow grow or the light source move from front to back or left Mm -hmm. to right. All of that was done in camera with this like incredible, um, new lighting technology slick <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. at I the mean, end of the I day i can see how that can be extremely useful in 
a genre like this where it's out of green screen a lot of stuff not on set where yeah yeah so being able to adjust the lighting to whatever the final product looks like uh mm-hmm. yeah because it, it like almost gives this like time lapsed effect the way they mm-hmm. use it here where like the monster crawls up but they have this like this sun i guess around this black and white planet like mm-hmm. move like the planet's moving so fast like circle circling this thing so quickly that the sun's moving its placement constantly so like you just get these shadows like crawling in and out really quickly and it looked fucking awesome i think this is the best looking action in the fucking movie hands down here right yeah yeah i i think you're correct on that uh yeah and um, it unfortunately ends with uh, Valkyrie getting stabbed in the tummy. Uh, <laughs> gore, not gore, fucking Korg coming to the rescue. All these like four letter names that sound exactly <laughs> the same. Gore and Thor rhyme, number one. Mm-hmm. Korg, I keep fucking saying gore instead. They're all gobbledygook names. Um, but Korg coming in with the fucking the reindeer who do get their own little action sequence. They, they punch a monster. They do. They do. Which I appreciated. Um, and yeah, the second Valkyrie gets lit up, they, they decide to get the fuck out of here. Jane drops her hammer and you can see her being like visibly fucking weakened. So they summon the Bifrost to get the fuck out of there because they realize that it's a trap. But as they're doing it, Gore, conveniently grabs the fucking Stormbreaker and pulls it down. So they get sucked back to Earth. Now Gore has this thing. He's able to open the Gates of Eternity, and they're stuck back on Earth with two of... Actually, all of their main characters are now weakened except for Thor, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They kind of get it back down to where they could have had a Thor solo finale if they had chosen, uh, with Jane choosing to take Hemo. Uh, since the hammer's not going to keep her alive. This no. is this is a plot line from the comics too, where uh it's done a, a little bit differently here, where in the comics it was literally burning out the, the medicine uh whenever mm-hmm. it was healing her. Uh yes. I've been told by someone who had leukemia, a friend of mine, that that's great nonsense, but I don't know. I don't know. What the magic hammer bit? Yeah, well no, just that the medicine when you're, you're doing chemo that it whatever good it's going to do is going to be immediate uh, i don't yeah. know i don't know yeah, yeah. i've never heard it uh but yeah no. the sequences back on new asgard where jane is receiving her treatment by the way the doctor who tells thor that she's not gonna make it was that amadeus's chose mom i don't think so i could be wrong but yeah i, I didn't recognize her because that actress, that wasn't the same actress from Age of Ultron, right? You know that, that what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I'll, I'll have to go back and double check. But. All right, we'll have to put on our detective, uh, our detective chimp hats, and 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 go back and check. Um, but him receiving the news, and then the cut of him punching the vending machine, and it cutting, <laughs> so you only hear it, and yeah. then you see this uh, emaciated fucking Jane, you know. This shit worked for me, Travis, like really well. Again, power of two good actors doing 
you know, roles that they're kind of known for at this point probably yeah. helped. You know what I mean? A little bit of bias here. Um, but emotionally, did this kind of hit for you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, yeah, it it worked for me plenty. I uh, also wondered if they were going to go with her her right to die. Uh, if you get it into <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. They did kill her here. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also where Thor gives the good like, why can't I go? Why do you have to all have all the fun? And then his little like, cause I love you kind of bit like worked pretty well yeah, for yeah. me, like completely worked pretty well. Um, yeah. So Jane admits like, I'm not going to do this, but you better come home. And Valkyrie being like, listen, take my lightning bolt fucking thing and my Pegasus or whatever <laughs> it is. And, I'll show you there's another way to travel to the center of the universe that's not the Bifrost, I guess. Uh so here's here's the the map. Um and and go kill this motherfucker. So now we're at the center of the universe for essentially what's going to be the final fight sequence. And I thought it was crazy that Gore brought the kids there for some reason, right? Yeah, there's no real reason for them to be there other than the child armies are cool, I guess. Child armies fucking rule. So Gorg uses the Stormbreaker Bifrost to begin to open the gates of eternity. Thor arrives just as Gore throws the statue of the Living Tribunal's head at the children. Well, Where, it's, for, yeah, yeah, it's actually a Celestial's head. Oh, was it? That wasn't yeah. the Living Tribunal? The Living Tribunal's head is there, but yeah, it's not doing anything. There's a couple of statues here. So yeah, I've seen this. That's also. Huh? I saw Eon. I saw uh, the Watcher. I saw Death mm-hmm. and uh, the Living Tribunal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is. We've had a lot of teases of the Living Tribunal. I know we beat it, it to death here, but I feel like they have to give it to us at some point. Uh, They're just going to keep teasing you and teasing you and teasing you, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a special symbol or looking symbol on the floor also i don't know mm-hmm. what this place is supposed to be other than i guess center of the universe no eternity's end yes yes, uh, yes i do have a theory about the children uh army that we're getting here okay so thor throws the celestial head off gives a big rousing speech to the kids and then basically does the Odin enchantments on them. So they are all given the powers temporarily mm-hmm. given the powers of Thor. Um, my thought here is like, there was a thing in the Aaron comics called the <laughs> Thor core. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of Marvel's version, MCU's version of the Thor core. And all the kids like have little weapons. One girl's got a little, bunny rabbit that shoots lasers out of its eyes yeah, and Heimdall's yeah. kids got like a stick and <laughs> they fight the shadow monsters while Thor goes to fight Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your theory? I'm curious. Okay. Okay. The Thor core was also during the secret wars stuff. Uh, yes. On and, battle world. Yes. Yes. And uh, it, I'm just wondering if I don't expect them to be in Young Avengers or anything like that, but like way down the line, whenever they do the Secret Wars thing and these kids are a little older, there's your Thor Corps. Just sure. <laughs> after Asgardian children and other children who I assume are the children of the gladiators from fucking Sakaar. 
Sure. And you know what, actually? Um, the Young Avengers, I know you mentioned like maybe down the road with Secret Wars and Thor Corps mm-hmm. being a part of Battleworld. That would be really cool. Um, but the Young Avengers run that both you and I really like that we're hoping the MCU uh, takes the majority of, of yeah. its influence from that Kieran Gill and Jamie McKelvey run and not the Children's Crusade um, had Young Loki, who we have seen already. Yes. I think Heimdall's kid Axel will be a totally fine replacement for young Loki, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think they're setting up some young Avengers stuff in this. I don't think these children are other than Axel, uh, Astrid. Astrid, Axel. Yeah, your dad gave you a super tough Viking name, and I yeah. intend to honor it. Um, speaking of Axel, did you notice the song that was playing here? Yeah, more Guns and Rose. I, I don't remember which one, but... It was November Rain, my friend. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their classic ballad. Their classic, <laughs> classic ballad. And honestly, thinking about it now, in that music video, you have Axel in the church, and then Slash isn't shown in the church. He's actually wailing on guitar outside of the church yes. in the desert. Yes, and that was done because all of the stuff inside of the church was at the request of Axl Rose and Slash thought that was fucking stupid. And this was like right before they broke up and he's like, I'm not doing anything inside the church. I think that's dumb. The whole point is us to be wailing against religion, not partaking in religion. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, Natalie Portman and everybody at home away from this like holy place, this heart of the, the the heart of the universe and then we have thor inside so thor is kind of like our axel and natalie portman's kind of like our slash in this instance um until the moment of inevitable oh no i'm about to die you know all hope is lost even though the kids are kind of kicking ass but gore is beating me up and we see the mighty thor coming on in with uh, her Pegasus and Thor is very disappointed in her because she chose to, you know, save his life and the fucking children. And the yeah. I love the reaction of disappointment whenever he arrives where he's about to die, but he's still kind of disappointed because he knows what it means in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. He knows what it means for him. He knows what it means for her, even though he knows that she made the right decision. It's still something that's going to weigh on him heavily as most of the decisions have in these Taika Thor movies. You know what I mean? Uh, He has to always kind of like live with that guilt and hasn't had anything coming out of it. Every Thor movie has ended with Thor, like losing everything and being by himself at the end of the day. Well, these two Taika movies really have, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? we'll get to the end of this one because it doesn't um (laughs) this is where she does get to do her cool fucking catchphrase and gore says like sorry lady thor you lost and she's like first off it's fucking the mighty thor and second off if you can't get that right it's uh, dr jane fucking foster or whatever i i liked that bit quite a bit right I think Lady Thor is a better name than Mighty Thor. <laughs> well, Lady Thor is what all the trolls on Reddit have called her since that Jason. Oh, Aaron okay. So. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, uh, that was I, a I thing. I knew it was but I didn't know it was like that. I do. I am um, the thinking that they should have given her her own name, but was it just, just being a one movie thing for her? There is no way to do that. <laughs> do you think it's weird how they constantly say, like, well, you're a Thor now? You yes, know what I, I mean? Do. I think it's very weird. I, do no, I mean, I'm not trying to be 
anti woke. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think we're being more woke, by the way, saying what we're saying right now because it's like derivative. It's it's like what this woman can't be her own fucking thing. She mm-hmm. has to be like all, her whole purpose and what's saving her is just you at the end of the day. You yeah, know, I, I don't mean? really just work for a concept. I, you know, I just you did it. Yeah, that's I'm consistent on that. <laughs> I'm a Thor. You're a Thor. They're yeah. a Thor. This fucking kid Axel's a Thor now with this stupid name. I mean, um, Frog Thor isn't even Frog Thor. He's Throg. He's Throg. Yeah. That's a proper fucking name for a Thor. <laughs> <laughs> beta Ray Bill's not a Thor. He's a Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they defeat the Necro Sword and they, they destroy it somehow. Mm-hmm. But he still gets inside the heart of the I universe. Already, I had opened the door by that point. So it was just, okay. yeah. Wouldn't you think that the plan would be to beat him to it? At that point, if it was already open, you'd be like, you hold them back. I'll get there and then I'll make everything right. I'll be the one to use this fucking wishing well. You would think, you would think. Mm-hmm. But they were uh, being sad looking in. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty sad. Yeah. It is pretty sad. Um, so they use the Bifrost. Well, Hemdale's kid uses the Bifrost. This is actually pretty cool. And mm-hmm. he like summons them all back to New Asgard and. Uh, Lady Thor and proper Thor, Man Thor. We don't call him Man Thor. Um, <laughs> that's what I call my dick. I call him Man Thor. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've now named my penis Molnir. Um, yeah, they they follow Gore the God Butcher into the heart of the universe. And what do you think of this set? essentially like this water set it was reminiscent of the soul world i guess that we get after the uh mm-hmm. the red skull planet in infinity war and endgame you know what i mean when they end up in that like puddle of water oh, you know i did notice the comparison with vormir or whatever but vormir yes yeah yeah i was mainly focused on eternity being there and i was initially worried that that statue we saw at the price was going to be what they did yep. for eternity. Me too. And granted, this version of eternity doesn't move. It's it's pretty much just a wishing well they described earlier, but it at least looks like it. It looks cool. It's got the Jack Kirby helmet horn thing. Yeah, yeah. The the shape of it's right. The uh the cosmos being the body of it. That's cool. Uh, it is cool. And this is a hard concept to like personify. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, much like the uh, Supreme Intelligence, I think they did. Uh, they kind of did the best they could do. Of a comic accurate uh, <laughs> Supreme Intelligence. And it, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It looks nightmarish. I would have loved to have seen it, but. <laughs> Instead, we got a net bedding and a puddle of water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same difference, I guess. But yeah, uh, I kind of the same thing they did here. Isn't that weird? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you're just kind of in like some reflective surface of some sort. <laughs> um, that's probably just CGI, right? Because it's like a nightmare to film in actual water because there's fucking reflections everywhere. That's true. Um, I hadn't thought of yeah. that. Yeah, I think the three leads of this film do a fucking dynamite job here in terms of. Uh, yeah, in terms of the acting, where where Thor's calling out to Gore and pleading for him to choose love over death, mm-hmm. and rushing over to uh, Jodie Foster's side in her final moments, and the kind of um, the exchange you know, with Gore, where 
you're, I guess, just expecting Thor to try to stop him one last time, and he's just like, no, you won. I wanted to go spend time with my loved one in my final moments. Uh, yeah. You're going to yeah. do what you're going to do. Yeah. This is the moment my eye doctor friend caught me crying. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. Yeah, this uh, was the moment. Because that's a sweet sentiment. And and I said it on the podcast before about how, like, Wonder Woman 1984, not the greatest movie of all time. Maybe it's a little too long. But I do kind of love how the final battle act of that film is essentially – just Gal Gadot in really cool costume giving a speech about how you should be nice and Mm -hmm. love wins always. So do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, just know love always wins. And it being a very similar thing here where of course Chris Hemsworth could have picked up fucking the skinny ass Christian Bale (laughs) and snapped him like a twig and won. But he's like, no, like I'm going to give you this little speech about how choosing love is important. I'm going to let you make up your own mind. You know what I mean? I'm going to be so goddamn noble and so good of heart here that I'm going to convince you to make the right decision. I like that stuff. And I, again, like I'm always happy when they, they kind of choose that over. Yeah. It reminds me of the winter soldier ending. I know sure. you, you raved about funny with good cause where a champ decides to not fight the winter soldier anymore. And I'm just trying to appeal to his humanity. And also a sequence that I know a lot of people uh, kind of got mad about with the win- with um not the winter soldier in civil war which i've i've talked about a lot mm-hmm. um where tachaka or tachala and uh daniel Bruhl's baron zemo are up on that cliff mm-hmm. and where you know he kind of gives them the same thing you know yeah. what i mean it's kind of just you know the good of heart will always win make whatever decision you want and and he like talks him out of committing suicide <laughs> you know what i mean well- he tries to. Well, he still tries to commit suicide, but he's stopped pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Same, same yeah, kind yeah. of premise. Like, I know people, like, want to see the big, muscly battles, <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day... There's, these are kind of weird morality plays. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the reason I say kind of is because there's a lot more punching and violence in general. And <laughs> I don't yeah, know we all saw Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> If they're more already face, then what we're saying is that violence solves problems. But <laughs> but at the final moment, you could say something very nice. Yeah, yeah, sure can, sure can. Which Thor does, and then he goes and spends uh, the final moments of Jane Foster's uh, life with her in his arms, and they have these very sweet exchanges, and they both call out to Gore um, as he's changing his mind. He's like, "If I bring my daughter back." she's going to have no one to take care of her and watch over her. And mm-hmm. Jane's like, Oh yeah, she will. I'm volunteering this man to be her. her yeah. Yeah. And father. you saw how good he did with the childish soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He'll train them to be children I mean, soldiers. You're very angry at the gods for exploiting the lower classes and, uh, making them fight their wars or whatnot of religion. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, Taking it this, taking it this far too, uh, taking too much about this ending. It works. It works. It works. I, I'm just being an asshole. And it's like the thesis of the film. Like, say what you will about this movie. We had some negative things to say about it, but this is the stuff that Taika does really fucking well, where 
after this goofy fucking romp, he still incorporated the whole cancer arc and mm-hmm. the whole like gore stuff, like with um, you know, the 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 mistrust of the elite, but finding out no, there is good in this world and choosing love and just taking these really weighty and heavy themes, still incorporating them with um with them being minimally impacted by all the goofy fucking goat screaming you know yeah, what i mean yeah. throughout it it still fucking works at the end of the day there's and there's also a way for this to be slightly better than the comic in one way in particular which is if jane stays dead we'll get to that, that that's one of my issues time. with the jay heron run is that she has this very poignant send off and then she is immediately brought back to life <laughs> oh, of course i mean that was like i, I got so uh, dude i got so i will never forget the fucking day i was in my old comic book store called uh fourth world comics and toys mm-hmm. and jeff johns was fucking in there with scott schneider and we're talking to them while the shop is closed and they're all saying are you guys reading batman inc and i was like i am and they're like good because next week's going to be fucking huge and i was mm-hmm. like get the fuck out of here what do you mean huge and then Jeff Johns whispers in my ear and he goes, they're going to kill fucking Damian Wayne. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. They're going to kill Damian Wayne after all this. Yeah. Like Morrison creates him. And then the last issue of Batman Inc., he's going to fucking kill him after fucking 10 years. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. See, if they would. If they would have let Damian be dead and didn't have Paul Tomasi bring him back fucking four months later, that well, would have been great. Even then, like if they would have just let Jason Aaron's run end with Jane still dead, if you want to bring her back later, whatever, but just let that one creator have a definitive end for their story and without it to be continued. But uh, how would we have had War of the Realms, Trev? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I also kind of wish that there was a, a rule in comics where if you kill a character, they have to stay dead for 10 actual years at the least. Yep, the Gwen Stacy rule. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the Jason Todd rule. Yeah, yeah, it's... uh, The Bucky Barnes rule. Yeah, yeah, just 10 actual years. That's still, like, nothing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) The Uh, only one they haven't brought back is uh, Uncle Ben, right? Yeah, pretty much, and I'm sure he's he's biding his time. He's working out, so when he becomes a Spider-Man, that's... (laughs) Oh, there's a Spider-Verse thing or a coming. Yeah. Or a goblin. Oh, yeah. my God. Him and Ned could be the villains of the next John Watts Spider-Man crossover event. Yeah. Uncle Ben, like you've never seen him before. <laughs> <laughs> With pumpkin bombs yes. and, a, and a blue mask. Um, yeah, so um, Natalie Portman succumbs to the cancer and she vanishes into stardust. And Thor accepts Gore's request to take custody of his daughter who's brought back, uh, who gets to comes back and then watches her father die. Um, I, I shout out to the speculate on the, the final catchphrase. I missed you too. Was that it? I thought it might be by Odin spade. I, (laughs) 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 uh, it was something amusing. Yeah. Oh, God, they're never going to let that fucking live down. I feel a little bad for the guy. I'm sure he didn't mean to be just do something fucked up. <laughs> no, he's just an out of touch boomer. Yeah, who yeah, just thought that's how kids man. fuck. I'm an old man too. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, it's very relatable. 
Yeah. I actually picked up that issue today because I had forgotten. Yeah, because I did. Him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea it was going to be so hot. I'm going to send it out to CGC <laughs> and put it up. Wait two years to get it back when no one's going to care anymore, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, when everyone's going to be like, no, no one wants that fucking no. book, that racist fucking what if Miles Morales <laughs> was Thor book. <laughs> um, what do you think of this child actress? I thought the uh, one, not fair to compare her because fucking christian bale saying that, like i really missed you line was really intense um but but her like i missed you too i thought all this was pretty good i felt that was it wasn't uh like good acting i guess on paper but it worked for me because that's how i would respond if i was a kid being yeah i mean some heavy stuff dropped on me i'd I'm not good at stuff like that. So, yeah, I would come off as cold and detached. Just like this <laughs> child. Yeah. Uh, um, it's kind of funny because while the the chemistry between this little girl and uh, Christian Bale wasn't great, the chemistry between her and Chris Hemsworth felt very natural. Yeah, um, yeah. It, well, I guess uh, you have to talk about it because when they first show her in the reflection, it's like a panel of singularity. Uh, the yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I assume this is their take on that. Maybe a bit of Angela with the eye markings. Oh, God. Maybe just a little bit, because they're not going to use her for fucking anything else. <laughs> no. It's, it's, who who knows? A completely original creation, and I'm just thinking too much about it. Well, do you know why I brought up her chemistry between this little girl actress and Hemsworth? No, no. Oh, that is Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Ah, oh, oh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? More who would have thought in this movie? Nepotism. You got to know Still, somebody. You know, yeah. Get a job in Hollywood. But I think that kind of works for the total like send off because like after all of this, where where it ends with you know Thor somehow getting out of there. I have no idea how he gets out of there. He must have ridden a Pegasus home or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it ends with another Korg Taika monologue. And there's a giant statue of Foster as the mighty Thor erected in new Asgard. And he gives this really good, uh, you know, she taught us what it all meant to be worthy or whatever. I liked all that. Um, Sif and Valkyrie are training the children. And Jamie Alexander looks fucking great in this sequence i was like oh there she is uh valkyrie <laughs> with this uh basketball jersey yeah, yeah I, I was going to ask about that I, uh yeah it was a choice that she's they talk about it in this breakdown of a scene they're like why are you wearing this mm-hmm. phantom of the opera uh shirt and he's like honestly the person who co-wrote it was just wearing it with me one day and we were talking about like what are things that valkyrie would be into and they're like well she's definitely into basketball because i like basketball and musical (laughs) theater sounds right right and they're like yeah so they just like made this instead of uh the sacramento kings they made a fucking it said like the new asgard kings or something along those lines which is cool adding layers to the character without having to use any dialogue it's Fine. absolutely like if they had her stick her tongue in one of those fair maidens mouths we wouldn't <laughs> have had to have gotten that scene about how horny she is yeah uh, earlier right. on yeah absolutely um yeah so they show the children uh singing we also get uh korg now his body has fully grown back and regenerated and he's seeking to produce offspring with some dude he meant uh by the name of Dwayne. i thought it was blake i heard a b i thought it was a b name 
It was not. His name was Dwayne. And do you get the joke? Oh, yeah, Dwayne the Rock. I got you. I got mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked that quite a bit. And me and my friends all hit each other after he said <laughs> Dwayne. I was like, I like Dwayne the Rock. Um, yeah. And then we see uh, Thor raising this little girl whose name is Love, apparently, as his own daughter in this space Winnebago making flapjacks and the little girl basically just being a little girl, being a little shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the boot thing was funny where it's like, did you put your boots on? It's like, I'm wearing them. Like I liked all this stuff so much. I liked her decorating Molnir, and I liked basically this movie send off being the two beginning to travel the galaxy, offering assistance to whomever needs it wherever they need it taking on the mantle of love and thunder i like this a lot i like <laughs> well, this a lot I, this I, all I, it. I, I made a, a joke about child soldiers and there is a bit of, <laughs> of but it is good but he cares about kid and it's a good chemistry and everything do you think she's going to be on the young avengers lineup i don't i think she's going to be i don't know because like hemsworth uh, uh, apparently Hemsworth just like wants to keep playing Thor like forever. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. He likes money, I guess, you know, and <laughs> probably has fun. Um, uh-huh. But I would watch a gallivanting space romp with these two. Mm-hmm. Like that would be fun. You know what I mean? I think that would be totally fun. And I thought this was finally we get some closure on Thor. Thor is happy. Thor has found a purpose. Thor has lived through loss and learned what that loss meant and like, let it actually mean something instead of just like loss happening. And then being like onto the next adventure, onto the next adventure. Like he's actually letting these things reflect, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's a moment really earlier on where he's talking about like, Oh, did you meditate? And she's like, no, that's stupid. He's (laughs) like, yeah, it actually made me, it made me more angry where I like cackled because like, I've been there, dude, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? The whole, like, um, I mean, I'll say it like, you know, I, I like go to 12 step and I'm sober and the mm-hmm. whole like finding purpose and a higher power is the most difficult part of this <laughs> entire process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and I've always treated it as um, more like surrendering to the unknowns. Like, oh, there is something bigger than me out there that I kind of just got to like, you know, yeah, yeah. accept every once in a while. And, and that whole process has been very hard. And that bit made me laugh like very fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Really nice little send off to a nice little movie. <laughs> and to finish it on a, uh, a total on a downer. No, no, just on a, uh, uh, minor bit of nonsense. Which hammer did she get? I, I think it was the, Stormbreaker. she got Stormbreaker. Okay, so they're not giving it to Better Ray Bill like I had hoped. Though no. I do like the image of this child with a giant fucking axe. That's, that pleases me. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say to end it on a downer, we get two post credit scenes. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that could be one. Uh, it could be two, my friend. The first one being Zeus essentially uh, recuperating mm-hmm. from his wounds. From his murder, yes. Yep, sorry, I had the hiccups. Yes, Uh, he is alive and he is angry and he wants the gods to get some respect because everyone cares about superheroes and no one cares about gods. I've been saying this for a long time. 
I've learned more from Superman than I've learned from Jesus or Moses <laughs> or fucking Abraham or Yahweh or any of those fucking things. The majority of the good I've learned has been from Superman and not like religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And as he's uh, sending out like this new, you know, ethos kind of like, you know, Thor Odinson must die. Isn't that right? My son. Hercules. Hercules, and then we, Hercules, Hercules, right? Hercules, yeah, yeah. Hercules, Hercules, yeah, yes. Yeah. Played by Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. <laughs> you would hope, you would hope, yeah. I'd prefer, I would prefer. <laughs> I know, I know you kind of wanted a more body positive uh, Hercules. I am not necessarily against that, though I do wonder if they would just spend an hour and a half making fat jokes about the Hercules and how he's not how they pictured him. No, he would be tough, dude. Like you can be big. Oh, I don't and know. Like Cat <laughs> Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or Butterbeam. Yeah, yeah. Those guys can punch really hard. No, no. I just yeah. mean I'm critiquing Fat Thor really, and how he was handled in. Endgame. Oh yeah, that's and true. They, all they did was make fun of his weight. Yeah, but if you made Hercules gay, you couldn't make fun of him because that that was bad. Um. <laughs> I, I I wanted Hercules to be like a big bear. Oh yeah, well I mean he should uh, have me bisexual at least. The oldest in the old Hercules TV show that wasn't they weren't just no. buddies in the in the mythology. No, no, Kevin Sorbo wouldn't fly for that apparently. I, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure it yeah. was way too ahead of its time to do anything like that. But when do you think we're going to see Hercules, if ever, fight Thor? That is. Uh, kind of what was on my mind. I don't see it happening in anything but another Thor movie, but I don't know when they're going to do another Thor movie uh, with the, the docket as cool as it is. I don't... Sure. At this point, we were talking before, you know, we'd be fine with them scaling back a little bit with the number of films just to keep the quality up. I don't want yeah. them trying to cram five, five films into a fucking year. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I Again, like, is the quality dwindling? Like, not really, but I can see the fan base getting impatient because, like, Endgame and Infinity War and all that just felt like such, like, bangers in terms of, like, continuity and, like, the large, like, every, yeah. the big payoffs. Yeah. And now, like, we're leading to very little to no payoff at this point. We're, we're just getting period for the MCU. It feels like phase one, man. Yeah, like, you, it, it feel, and I like that. Like, I mean, we might have realized that we didn't really get a clear destination until fucking the end of Avengers when you see Thanos and it's clear that they're doing the whole saga. And even then we didn't get shit. Like we didn't know that the Tesseract was a fucking infinity stone until like winter soldier or some (laughs) shit. Right. Yeah. It was, it was a while. Uh, I mean, and we talked about more where like Thanos, I was expecting him to be the villain of Avengers two, not, the end of like 10 years of fucking movies. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, what was it like 21 movies before we got the culmination? You yeah, know what I mean? Something we're, like that. Uh, yeah. We're like four movies in right now. Right. Uh, of this phase. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, Eternals, Eternal. Shang-Chi yeah, yeah. and Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and Spider-Man and, and Dr. Strange. Oh, Shit. Right, so no, six. there's, there's a lot. Yeah, we're actually. getting more in less time. We've gotten fucking six movies in a year since like we've had this podcast. 
yeah, it, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Uh, that is fucking bonkers, Travis. Um, and then the second post credit scene, I'd imagine something you didn't really like because they didn't let Jane Foster die for five fucking minutes. We well, made it to the end. She's technically dead in Valhalla, but <sighs> I don't want. I'm hoping this isn't just catching waters for how should we bring her and Heimdall back? And because, now Ildris Alba's game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the Asgardians do have the cycle of rebirth and everything, but I, I don't know. I don't really want that. Let no. death mean a little something. Yeah, like, will we get two Lokis if that's the case? Will there be two Lokis <laughs> running around? About 30 Lokis at this point, but yes. yes. I, I know, I know. Uh, Were you happy to see Ildris Alba? N- no, no, <laughs> no, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, like, if this is where Jane's story ends, that's a perfectly fine send-off. Didn't really need the Valhalla scene. The one with Thor was more... Uh, Impactful? Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's funny, like, someone in the uh, MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook page mentioned how this was spoiled for them because they saw Idris Elba's name in the credits, and I just hadn't realized that. Oh, yeah, I missed it, too. Huh? Yeah, I totally fucking missed that. Um yeah, but I was I'm kind of on your side where I was like, God, I mean, it's kind of nice. And maybe this is just like, oh, Jane's ending wasn't completely sad. And she was, you know, yeah, she made it to an afterlife, which is nice. But I was like, oh, my God, so quickly. Like, are you just setting up the Heimdall and Jane adventures? You know what I mean? Like, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Do you have anything else that you want to say about the 29th installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Taika Waititi's long-awaited Thor, Love and Thunder, the first film to get four installments of his own solo franchise and also the first solo um, adventure from a first phase Avenger for Mm -hmm. phase three before we jump into our final thoughts and our reviews travis yeah i'm ready to get to it yeah me too man Um, (laughs) tell us how you really feel let's rate this so normally we here at the mcu beyond infinity podcast rate and review all of our installments from one to six infinity stones, but I thought it would be fun to change it up a little bit because there was a fun little nod in new Asgard where they were opening an ice cream parlor as me cut the gates for a place called infinity cones. So this week, Travis, I thought that would be cute. One infinity cone being the worst six infinity cones being the best one, I'm curious what you gave Thor Ragnarok just really quickly. And two, what say you one out of six infinity cones for Thor Love and Thunder? Almost forgot the name there. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I think Ragnarok was around a five out of six. Uh, this one is about a four out of six. I, uh, It's still a good movie. I liked it. It has... There's some decent like character moments that really make it worth the watch for me. Uh, and like the omnipotent city, I'm going to go back and rewatch that bit and freeze frame and dissect sure. and look at all the uh, the the fraggles. 
the guy's mm-hmm. freckles, not just the, the fraggle yeah, yeah, freckles yeah, yeah. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that little horny guy with the feet. Yeah, yeah, he was great. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad they were so seated so close and we got a good look at yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of a fair score. Um, like in a lot of ways, like comedy is all part of the package, and that's what made like Ragnarok this kind of like wildflower in the MCU landscape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and Love and Thunder feels a lot like Ragnarok Redux and offers enough kind of fast paced fun. I wouldn't even say fast paced action because I wasn't crazy about yeah. all of the action, but it, it does make it like a worthwhile time at the theaters. It was something that I really, really enjoyed as I was watching it. I appreciated the brisk pace. I appreciated getting the caliber of acting and, and the caliber behind the camera as well. Mm-hmm. One of my big complaints with the Marvel cinematic universe is how, all of these movies look so similar aesthetically, uh, very similar in comic books where you get like the one big mainline <laughs> artist. And, and I'll use the comparison of like the early 2000s uh, with the Ultimates, Brian Hitch, like everything in Marvel looked like Brian Hitch art for a little while or Mark Bagley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in DC, what I was thinking of where- Jim Lee is my DC analogy where like Mm -hmm. during the new 52 there was like seemingly a mandate where it was like can you make it look a little bit more like jim lee you know what i mean i was thinking of the x-men where he was only around for like what 13 or 16 or something issues but then everyone after him for a long time was just trying to draw jim lee (laughs) dude and it's fucking annoying with the marvel cinematic universe and how all these movies look like this and i get it because they want them to all feel similar to one another. But if that's the case, why are you spending the money that you're spending on these things? And why are you actually hiring directors with like visual styles? Right. Yeah. yeah. This the has glaring moments of artistic flourish, but yes, I, it has I, I, moments I, I, of individuality. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that like, I really appreciated with this movie. And, and I mean, we, we were talking about that, like plate lighting technology on the, um, on the shadow realm planet. That's like the glaring example of just like, Oh, look, it looks fucking different about fucking time. You know (laughs) what I mean? Um, and, and I appreciated all of that, but at the end of the day, I'm usually the one who really likes the comedy and these things. Mm -hmm. And even here, I thought it was like diminishing returns from Ragnarok. Like this yeah. very much felt like the lesser man sequel to a much better film, mm-hmm. even though Taika, unlike anyone really working off the top of my head in the mainstream Hollywood system is capable of throwing huge emotional weight behind things and still having those things felt, you know, some sort of impact while also having the levity there the entire time in a very natural way. Um, This is like a 3.5 out of four out Mm of 3.5 or four out of six infinity cones for me. I gave it like a 3.5 out of five on letterbox. I'm kind of right down the middle with it. I have a lot of fun watching this movie. Mm -hmm gun to my head like what marvel movie do you want to watch right now i'll probably pick this or ragnarok just because it's like i could see this being a very rewatchable movie 
Um, cause it's really quick too. Like I like the pace of it, you know? Um, and I think they did a decent job adapting a very serious story arc, um, in a sincere way while also staying true to the styles of the filmmaker at the same time. Cause if you told me a couple of years ago that Taika was going to be the guy to adapt Gore, the God butcher, I would be like wrong pick, like <laughs> wrong pick, wrong pick. Yeah. Yeah. And on my issues, any issues I would have with the adaptation has to do with the length and you can't do like several years worth of, fucking one writer's writing in a two-hour movie. So there's always going to have to be concessions for what parts you need to stay in, which are going to have to cut time. Yeah. And and a TV format wouldn't have done it any justice either because then you don't have the budget to make it look yeah. as good as it needs to. Yeah. I, and I like this movie more than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, but I'm similar, sim, similarly, is that the correct word? Similarly, <laughs> yeah. I can't speak. I'm similarly disappointed. Um, cause despite these kind of like super fast paced action and all the fun toss off gags, um, I, I'm like disappointed given that this is directed by Taika Waititi. This is his weakest film to date. Yeah. And, and that's a bummer for me. I think this is a better written film than uh, the Doctor Strange movie, but the Doctor Strange movie is more watchable for me. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, it, I thought the Illuminati getting uh, butchered. I thought, sure. <laughs> even though sure. it's super fucking dumb. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but would you want to see Taika back for, to finish out a trilogy? Yes, I okay. would. With where it is now, I think this is more in Taika's vein. The mm -hmm. the father-son stuff, that stuff that just from Taika's filmography, Hunt I know he does. Hunt for the Wilder People, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People. Boy, fucking um, Jojo Rabbit with ScarJo yeah. and the kid. Yeah, yeah. Like the parental stuff. And the sweet parent stuff is stuff that Taika does really well, much like how Guardians 2 being like, now we're a family so we can explore these dynamics. Mm -hmm. That's right up James Gunn's alley. That's the stuff that he nails. You know what I mean? That's like his bag where um, I think, yeah, it's a bummer. It took two movies <laughs> instead of just the one to get us here. Yeah. But yeah, I would. Would you? Yes, though I do want a slightly less amount of comedy, just just a little bit. Uh, sure. This movie could have been bettered, I think, by more com or less comedy and more gore, or one or the other. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, just a, a slight amount. I kind of agree with you there, man. Um, before we wrap up for the evening, really quickly. Let's talk about a couple news items, Travis. Yes, yes. So, what do we got this week, my friend? We have a director for Captain America 4. 
Uh, it's the person who directed the Coville Paradox, which I know you're a massive. Uh, <laughs> you watched it once. <laughs> I, I I did watch it once. That is a movie um, that you watched. Yes, yeah. That is a movie I watched, directed by Julius Anna. Um, that is a movie I did not like, and I was fascinated by when I heard it existed because I knew Bad Robot was making a space movie, and that it was coming out around the same time as a movie called Life. Um which had Ryan Reynolds in it. And that movie was getting poked fun at because it was like, Oh, it's just an alien ripoff. And then I knew this movie was coming out around the same time. And people were kind of poking fun and being like, Oh, we got two alien ripoffs. <laughs> and then I was watching the Super Bowl at my friend's house. And I saw Cloverfield three on Netflix now. And I was like, what the fuck? They called this thing Cloverfield three i thought this was just some alien ripoff yeah yeah. it's on netflix now and and i've said this i think to you how i always thought recently with how weird the the movie climate is like the hollywood kind of film industry how it would be kind of funny if they did like the rap release thing where like oh now there's a beyonce album now there's a new kanye album and Mm -hmm. like just all of a sudden there's like a new album like what if top gun was just in theaters tomorrow you know what i mean yeah yeah um and that they kind of did that with this movie, but they did it with streaming. And I turned it on and I watched it. I think I watched it with my mom. And it was like one of the worst things like I'd ever seen. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's his fault. Yeah, yeah. Like how much of it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm he's a Nigerian. Yeah, he's a Nigerian American filmmaker. He's made three films. One of them was the Cloverfield Paradox, Cloverfield Three. He made a direct-to-video action movie that I'm surprised Scott Atkins is not in. <laughs> uh, it's called This Girl's in Trouble, and it's ah, stars. Very title there. <laughs> Dude, the cover just is begging for Scott Atkins. I'll send it to you offline. Oh uh, yeah. And- yeah. Then he made a movie called Lucy, but it's spelled maybe it's just Luce L U C E with yeah, Naomi Watts. Name. Yeah, Naomi Watts, Octavia Spencer, and Tim Roth. I I never heard of this. Neon put it out, so that's a thing. Um I I mean, get get a Nigerian American filmmaker to make the Sam Wilson movie. Good move, right? Do I want maybe (laughs) dude? I I mean, I think that's a good idea. Like we saw it work. Yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, And we saw it work with um, Falcon of the winter soldier, like the black filmmakers and writers that they had behind that. Of course that show delivered, man. And I've rewatched little bits of it recently. I was like, Oh yeah, this was like a kind of gnarly show. Like that was kind of like the most like adult of the Marvel Disney Plus things yeah, that yes. have come out so far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even though like it doesn't do nail the landing, but it doesn't nail the landing, but the suit looks great. And <laughs> it and it ends with again, it was probably the first time of many that I did the whole like I kind of like when these things end with like a superhero giving like a speech where the, he's just kind of telling everyone, no, be better and be good because choose love. And that show ends with a really good one mm-hmm. uh, where Sam Wilson's telling like that world council, like, listen, maybe you guys are the knuckleheads and here's why I think so, you know? Um, but I have not liked any of this guy's movies yet. <laughs> I'm sure this will be the exception, right? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Untitled Captain America sequel. Yeah. 
Um, coming out of no release date or anything for it. I uh, I will say though that life is a pretty good alien ripoff. Life I, is. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I liked it a good deal. Uh, I'll check it out, my friend. I will check it out. Is, that looks it like is a pretty blatant alien ripoff, but yeah, I, I liked it. Good guess. I'll tell you that Cloverfield Paradox is not a good one. Um, <laughs> and I was like all in on Bad Robot right then because they had just made Overlord, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a movie so where I don't like war movies, and like, I'm a horror guy, but I liked the war movie parts of that movie more than the horror parts uh yo that fucking plane sequence in the beginning yeah, is yeah, yeah. sick it's, it's great sick. <laughs> it's great uh, i was in an empty theater with a friend of the podcast and director of the uh short film that i scored anatomia um that was a shameless plug there keen yeah. gross uh we were uh in an empty theater and we both had one of those back when they were legal before our governor banned them these giant like nicotine vape things mm-hmm. and we were fucking using them and like it set the fire alarm off and it was fucking sick like we were basically all in a theater by ourselves just smoking in a movie theater and mm-hmm. like it, it <laughs> you know 4d like now i had the rain it was great um <laughs> uh honestly though um there's no release date but small piece of news that i will say marvel's confirmed that their mega panel at this year's san diego comic-con in hall h is going to be occurring on saturday july 23rd at 5 p.m pacific standard time um i hope we get uh, like a full turn i i know they tend to do just the teasers with all the movies first, but I'd like to get a real trailer Black Panther uh, right out of the gate. I want to say name Sure. You know what I'm wanting. <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to have an idea of what they're going to do about the fucking Black Panther. That's... I want to know what the fuck this movie is, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is like a big mystery. It's been one of my most anticipated because I don't know what they're going to do. And no one does at this yeah. point. Like, we know Namor's in it. We know we know who's in it like the cast we know riri williams is in it we know um yeah, Leticia <laughs> oh you did yeah yeah her and maybe a suit maybe uh how's it look uh have you ever played metroid yeah yeah it, it looks like that <laughs> i like that yeah it, i like it looks that kind of cool it's kind of cool yeah so we have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is filming or possibly already wrapped. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is filmed and already wrapped. The Marvels, which has filmed. And then maybe this is where we're going to get our Fantastic Four fucking casting, right? Yeah, that would be nice. I wasn't thinking of that. It's got to be coming up soon, right? Has to be. They're also filming Secret Invasion, which I'm thinking maybe we'll get some footage of, or at least mm-hmm. more of a cast. Armor Wars, right? Maybe we'll get something. There's that untitled Wakanda television series, an untitled Halloween special coming out this year, directed by Enemy of the Podcast, Michael Giacchino, who just yeah. scored this new film. Um, when you do it, it's just all remixes of fucking the Duck. <laughs> I'd be so mad. It's not uh, even the Doctor Strange theme, sir. It's the Star Trek 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'll be so mad. I, yeah. I, I used to love Michael Giacchino, and I want him back in my life. But, like, stop taking work. You know yeah. what I mean? Start, like, p- 
picking your projects more wisely so you can like work on a score and not just shit out the exact same thing. I'm seeing people like saying they like the Love and Thunder score, and I'm like, really? Oh really? yeah, yeah. That uh, when you said score, you're talking specifically just about the score, not the soundtrack. Or yeah, okay. I'm talking specifically about the score, not the soundtrack. Okay, okay. Yeah, Michael Giacchino. Want to talk guy. some Daredevil? Sure, I want to talk some Daredevil always. <laughs> okay. Always. Uh, the rumor is that uh, Daredevil is going to be in Echo along with Kingpin. Not the rumor, man. That is oh, like confirmed, confirmed, bro. Okay. That has been confirmed. That's the only reason why, like I said, we should talk about it because fucking like we've we've like danced around the rumor in the past and we posted mm. it in the group. But like Variety, Deadline, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, that's like, as, as concrete as it gets pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox are coming back for the Echo series. The rumor of this is that Kristen Ritter is going to be coming back as Jessica Jones, and a major plot point of this is going to be them like hunting down Jessica Jones. That could be pretty cool. I uh, yeah, I like would be great Ritter in a Daredevil series. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and not an Echo series. Sounds like all the stuff in this sounds great. But not with that. I think they're right? stacking it partly to make sure that people watch because a character that's going to be using sign language for the entirety of the show is a hard sell. Uh, that is true, too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's good. Uh, she was okay in uh, Hawkeye. That is just a great show in general uh, with some minor nitpicks, but yeah. I still think that's like my favorite of the new. It's the most solid, right? Yeah, I and as an adaptation of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run, it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, it got the tone right. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Bishop, it's Kate fucking Bishop awesome. It. Yeah, 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 and and Florence Pugh coming back. <laughs> you know, it had like good bad guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Other than. Like Kazi, he was the only one who was kind of bland. And Kazi was... was the only one who was kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I still it. think that's kind of my favorite of them. Yeah, I. But you you were mentioning it before. I like Kristen Ritter a lot. Mm-hmm. And like as Jessica Jones, he was pretty good. I only watched the first season. I couldn't get through the second, and then the third. I wasn't heard. I heard it wasn't great either, so I didn't bother. Yeah. Uh, I was I was in like a bad place when uh, season two came out. Um, yeah, I was just like in a bad place. I, I was dating some girl who worked for the Atlantic. That's how I got to see Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> w- w- like a couple weeks early, I remember like humble bragging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not even like humble bragging. I was like actually bragging and like taking selfies with Kevin Feige, <laughs> and I was like all fucked up and shit. And I was just like Kevin Feige, like you know, like which was a great little experience. But then like I had to hang out with this chick and I was just like basically using her for these free movie tickets at the time. And I felt really bad. She's like, let's watch Jessica Jones. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go sleep. You know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, I remember the wizard being in it, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget the second crack at that one. (laughs) But how do you be, again, this was the problem with Daredevil season two. Those had two of the best villains in Marvel to date still. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't argue that. I think especially on the more mature end of things, no one's come close really. 
dude, Kilgrave is still a top Marvel villain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, like I was, he's a fucking I was He's a fucking monster. Like he is a fucking monster. Using things as like literal sex puppets is insane. Like that's I insane. mean, if it came down to hanging out with Gore or hanging out with Kilgrave, I would hang out with Gore nine times out of ten. We'd probably nine out of ten. some stuff. Yeah. You could tell him like, yo, I don't like God either, bro. Yeah, I'll be your sidekick, I'll be your Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make me a child soldier. It's like you're yes, a 37 yes. year old man. It's like, yeah, uh, but Thor's like 1500 years old. So yeah, like child to Thor. You're an alien. Who knows how old you are? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that is, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes, it makes, um, this echo series seem more exciting. I am excited to see what we get out of the San Diego comic-con panel. I'm excited to see how Marvel's um, Disney plus series, Miss Marvel wraps up. We weren't too thrilled on this week's episode. So we chose to talk about Thor instead, but we will be back next mm-hmm. week to talk about episodes five and episode six, the season finale of Miss Marvel. In the meantime, you can join the discussion at the MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast Facebook group, a wonderful place that Kira Travis and myself have curated to talk anything and everything related to Marvel, DC, the MCU, Avatar, Fast and Furious. There's a lot of discussion going on over there, and it's a wonderful group of like-minded people to discuss it with. You can email us at MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast if you have MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast at gmail.com. Excuse me. If you have anything to tell us, um, you can also remember to subscribe on whatever podcast provider you are listening to this on. If you are using Spotify, there is a rating system now. Found out that you have to listen to at least one episode to use it by taking my coworker <laughs> cell phones and trying to rate it. Yeah, found that out the hard way. Um, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is really helpful in the long run for us to get more listens and get more eyes and ears on the show because Travis, Kira, and I really do. This does make our week, and I love that people are actually there um, to be uh, listening to you and I bullshit about this stuff because I love bullshitting about this stuff. Of course, of course, always. With that being said, Travis, we will be back next week for Miss Marvel. And until then, I am John. I'm Travis. And by Odin's fade, we will see you next week. (laughs) 